Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 123 of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, a podcast about alternative music. Uh, hence the name. Fuck it. Uh, my name's Stephen. <laughs> That's got nothing to do with it. It's not even the name. My name's Stephen Hill. Anyway, I'm going to carry on as if it is, you know, suitable. And my co-host, Renfrey Deadman, is here. Hello. This week on the show, we are going to be counting down the rest of our albums of 2020, our favourite albums of 2020, from numbers 10 to number one. That's right. It's the top 10 albums of the year show. If you have not yet checked out last week's show we did 20 to 11 plus a few other little bits and bobs like best song and best what else do we do best ep as yeah, well yeah just had a, and, a, and a lot of shouts for various other albums that we rated over the course of the year so, so if you hadn't had a chance to listen to that yet then all of that stuff's on that podcast so many albums that were bubbling under and just so many that i didn't i mean that i've realized in the meantime that i didn't get to even mention but yeah what a year mm. yeah very very good year indeed it's been a good year for music it's also been a good year for us and our burgeoning relationship with the gentleman at signature brew i tell you what that is some that is some segue brilliant segue that's that's yeah, yeah that's why we got you on board thanks so much to the guys at signature brew as you probably know if you're a long time listener to the show they brew many spectacular beverages in the heart of east london they've been doing that since 2011 lots of music related beers and other beverages the likes of jamie lenman's lemonade oh yeah the polyphonic peach iced tea and he said long island iced tea but that's not what it is it's definitely it's, it's an iced tea yeah it's an iced tea but a yep. peachy one lovely lovely stuff uh they're very lovely people they've done beers with the likes of Ent shikari mastodon idols the darkness is the current one which i've had a had a couple more mm. of them yeah weekend. not usually a bit of fan but hello not really a bitter man but not a bitter fan <laughs> absolutely that'll be on your head thank you very much yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, who else has they done it with? Sports team, Frank Turner, Mogwai. They sell the pub in a box that we always go on about. Lovely, lovely pub in a box. You get 16 cans of beer and you get a, some nuts, some crisps, a beer mat, a glass. Uh, and at this and festive time of year, and a quiz. And at this festive time of year, I think that seems like quite a decent present. If I was going to unwrap that from father christmas on christmas morning i'd be absolutely delighted i mean i mean we should say christmases are coming and uh presents are being a buy-in bought bought Mm. uh and um you don't want to go and you don't want to go and hang out in in front of harrods with all those scumbags (laughs) do you for hours on end just order yourself some signature brew you can't get in a pub in a box from harrods you just can't no they don't do no you cannot cannot do that uh go over to signaturebrew.co.uk and put the code riot act in oh no in little letters um just gonna try to bring that joke back it wasn't even really a joke in the first place just me being stupid so anyway put riot act in small capitals way in the checkout and you'll get 10 percent off all of your purchases from them which is very very good indeed um also i'm gonna give a little plug to our as i always do this is some Totally running on autopilot this week, Renfrew. You go straight into the into the Patreon. Oh, blast! Now, don't we? Patreon.com forward slash Right Act Podcast. Sign up there if you like. I hope you've enjoyed the system of the down specials that went up last week. 
I enjoyed doing them. I think we spoke about it a fair bit last week, so I won't bother you with them too much. But um, that was a really, really good one. And a lot of people seem to have enjoyed that a lot. A lot of people saying they were doing a similar thing to what I was doing, which is actually kind of reevaluating system of a down in 2020 yeah. and going oh yeah fuck me they are great aren't they they are a really really great band so nice to be reminded what an incredible band system are after mm. uh many many years of inactivity when you can forget well how great these bands are we should probably also point people to the specials that we've released recently you did a chat with killer be killed i uh, did max and greg from killer be killed which was fucking excellent um by the time this goes out you should also have a chat that i did with vlad matvekov um i'm sure i fucked that up again um it, the, <laughs> the pronunciation of his surname from the uh band in technicolor he was on the show earlier this year in february alongside dave the guitarist from Intech, and we sat down and talked more kind of music industry kind of guff that's happening this year and where the music industry sits in 2020 so you talked about live streams and streaming and the fact that bands don't have no money and all this sort of thing yeah um, but it was a Fun. very interesting uh chat about the music industry as a whole and vlad has so many different fingers and so many different pies he's a very interesting man to talk to about all that stuff and knows a shitload more than me about it i have to say he puts my knowledge to shame when it comes to that he's sort of a thing. he's a cool dude he's a wicked guy yeah i love vlad he's one of my one of my greatest friends i love him to bits and mm. uh yeah we've been wanting to do that chat for a while so we finally got an excuse to do it and that's free that's not even on the patreon page totally free Totally free. Paging.com forward slash Riot Act podcast. If you don't want to sign up for £5 a month to get the two specials, then, you know, the special classic albums and you just want the Riot Ears reviews and you want to suggest something, any amount of money we would be delighted to accept from you at this festive time of year. <laughs> so we don't have to go carol singing. You can't do that, can you? Can't do that. Uh, we also put up, or we're about to, I think when you, by the time you listen to this, there'll be the Riot Ears review on... The Exploited's Punk's Not Dead album. Yep. Anyway, we'll move on from that. <laughs> There's a little spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, fair play to Exploited. They formed a band. Um, good. Right, let's get on with it then, Renfrew. We're going to go and do the top 10 albums of the year. We'll do a quick recap in a minute. But I thought before we did that, since last week we pitched, picked the best EP and we picked the best song, I thought maybe we'd do a couple of other little bits just to sort of wrap the year up into a nice, neat little bow. Starting with the most disappointing... I've put most disappointing stroke bad album of the year. Now, before we start recording, we discussed that those two things are very, very different. They are different things. Mm-hmm. just being bad is one thing but being disappointing just because you've disappointed me it doesn't necessarily mean that you're the worst album of the year uh although in some cases there, there have been, <laughs> yeah um so for you just to kind of the, the most disappointing releases that you heard this year um i'm gonna go with a few bad ones first i think um i mean I've got to mention CMFT by Corey Taylor. It was an absolute yeah. turgid waste of space. Um, Dreadful. Dreadful. Absolutely record. awful, awful album. Um, and, you know, has kind of put a black mark against someone who I once respected. Please just go back to doing your other projects, Corey. That would be great. Um, 
I mean, Green Day's father of all motherfuckers. I have a lot more time and respect for the history of Green Day than you do. Was I expecting a great Green Day album in 2020? Uh, no, um, I wasn't quite expecting it to be as forgettable and utterly just, uh, just, just, well, yeah, just forgettable. It's re it's a really forgettable 20, what is it? 26 minutes, that album. Ugh. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's no just, idea. it's just nothing. It's just bland and dull. Mm. And I, I, I didn't expect it to be good, but I didn't quite expect it to be that bad. Um, yeah, I've got, I mean, I, I put that down straight away. Yeah. Father of all motherfuckers by Green Day. It's really difficult. It's a bit like the Red Hot Chili Peppers where you, you really, really, really hate what they've become despite the fact that they have made some music that you really, really love. I was never the biggest fan, of, well, of either of those bands, to be perfectly honest. Blood Sugar Sex Magic, I think, is fantastic. One Hot Minute, I think, is fantastic. Dookie, I think, is fantastic. Insomniac, I think, is fantastic. They have other albums that I don't mind, that I quite like as well. By the way. But that really is... <laughs> yeah, by the way. Yeah. Um, Stadium Arcadium and DOS are my main ones that I... <laughs> day listen to from those two <laughs> that and Raditude is one of my second favorite Weezer album no definitely not but I, I don't really I find it the, the hatred for those bands and the dis like it's gone from disappointment to kind of outright hostility with both of those bands for me now where I just do, I just don't <clears throat> want them I don't believe they can redeem themselves and Green Day have got to the point now where I'm like, I, I, I've, it embarrasses me that I ever liked you. But then when I go back and listen to Dookie or I see them, I watched their Woodstock set in Woodstock 94 a couple of months ago. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic. Where's that? How can you go? How can you fall so far? It's mad. Yeah. So yeah, Green Day is a real, real obvious one, I think, because that album is a disaster. <laughs> Um, something that I think is less obvious and a record which I I certainly don't hate, but it came from a band who I I used to absolutely adore. And we've had a couple of releases now which have been okay, but this release that came out this year kind of marked the point where I thought, are we ever going to get another absolutely stellar album from Lamb of God? Uh, is that ever going to oh, happen? Yeah. See, I've just forgotten that even existed. That yeah. Record. I think I think in terms of I, I like I w certainly wouldn't put it in worst albums of the year category because I don't think it's a terrible album. I just think it's a very formulaic, relatively straight ahead, generic, dull album from a band who, you know, really revitalized that kind of music back in the early 21st century. I kind of we did uh, classic albums on as the uh, as the Passers Burn and Sacrament earlier this year, and we did it at a time not long after I received the promo for the new Lamb of God record. And I kind of pushed to do that album because I listened to the promo of Lamb of God. I was like, I'd like to be reminded why I liked Lamb of God in the first place. So I kind of pushed to do those classic albums there and then. Mm. And I mean, it absolutely worked as the Palaces Burn and Sacrament are both absolutely world-class killer records. But it yeah. also brought into stark contrast the differences between early Lamb of God, or I guess mid middle middle lamb of god i suppose with sacrament and what they're doing now and it's just 
It's just not particularly exciting to me. It is not a bad album by any stretch of the imagination, but it is relatively bland and just not what I would expect or hope for from a band who used to be at the top of their game. For, for yeah, I agree with that. It feels like the kind of the Wellers uh, started to run dry a little bit from Lamb of God, unfortunately, which is a shame. I guess every band at some point takes a down, starts to take a downturn. And that felt like a bit of a downturn. It's, mar- it's marked the point for me now where I'm like, well, can I ever get truly excited about a new Lamb of God record mm. now? I, I Like pre this record, I think I could have. Um, but I'm kind of struggling to get... I, I haven't really taken to a Lamb of God record since Wrath now which is yeah 11 years it is yeah something like that it's a while yeah yeah um i would throw in a few what you're gonna do when the grid goes down by public enemy Mm. i mean i didn't really expect too much from that but i think when you look at the guests that are on it i think when you look at the fact that it's their first one on def jam for god knows how long and when you think of the current climate that we're in at the moment um i don't think it would have been too much to ask for just a bit more you know just a little bit more i really i don't quite know exactly what the problem well no no i do actually i know exactly i do know exactly what the problem is the problem really appears to be chuck d and flavor flav on that record particularly, everything else particularly flavor flav but yeah but i think musically there's a lot of things to enjoy on that album i just think you've got two people who well you've got one person who used to be such an amazing voice such an amazingly articulate and brilliant force and they're just not anymore and it's not bad that record it's not bad it's got some really decent songs on it but it's some way away from being as good as they they could be uh i would also chuck in suicide silence become the hunter now that might seem like a weird one because i think everyone had their go at suicide silence on the last album their self-titled disastrous self-titled album which really wasn't as much as of a disaster as people like to make out the reason i've put it in is because i thought that there was a real like i said in the review i thought there was a real chance that suicide silence could have taken that kernel of an idea and done an album that was them experimenting and messing it up and then focused in and done something interesting and progressed and they just went back and made another deathcore album and i mean i don't really blame them unfortunately i think like i said in the review i think the fans and their reaction to that record has fucking killed them and it is a shitter that that's happened because who knows what they could have done they've done great records in the past you know suicide silence i i would stand by i mean the black crown you can't you know you can't fault that right it's a fucking great record it's a really great record and they've they're clearly very good at writing heavy music Mm. i just don't think that they were given any kind of support that they deserved they weren't given any kind of leeway whatsoever to try anything different and it's pretty much utterly derailed their career 
and all this, oh, you know, they're back on form sort of thing. Well, no one's mentioning it. Everyone's no. just dropped them. They've gone back to doing the thing they were doing before. It just sounds like they don't really want to be doing it. So it's yeah. this horrible compromise, that record. Really horrible compromise. Yeah. Um, I um, I just thought of one um, just a little bit different from what we've been talking about. Um, maybe not an obvious contender um, because, you know, it's been a long while since she's released anything that's truly worth getting excited about. But um, I got quite excited about the new Alanis Morissette record this year. Oh, yeah. um, you yeah. know, I, I, for some reason, I don't really know why. There's been quite a lot of, there's been quite a big push in the press around it. And maybe it's down to the 25th anniversary of Jagged Little Pill as well. And she's got a lot of stuff going on at the moment. Like Jagged Little Pill's being turned into a musical, isn't it? Which I know. Come on. Oof, um, you know, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think there was just so much press around Alanis Morissette. And I do genuinely love a lot of her old stuff. And I am not just talking about Jagged Little Pill. You know, Under Rug Swept is a brilliant, brilliant record. Um, and yeah, maybe I just got a little bit too overexcited. But I just found the new Alanis Morissette, like, just utterly bland and not very interesting, really. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Very forgettable. It was. Yeah. On a year when the people who were probably inspired by Alanis Morissette made some really great records, yeah. um, it was a it was quite the stinker, wasn't it? That I mean, it wasn't even all right. It was quite it was quite bad. It's got <laughs> like it, it's got a couple of moments, but they are pretty fleeting, and they're all it's top heavy. That record, it's it's pretty blare. Mm. another one which we didn't actually review on this show because i just didn't think it was worth reviewing was ultraviolet by misery signals now misery signals last album absent light in 2013 i thought was really really great i thought it was really good and i saw them supporting unearth and darkest hour last year and i thought they were quite good but the crowd reaction to them was unbelievable but they brought Jesse Jesse Zarazka, I think the guy's name, who was their original vocalist and hadn't been on a record since like 2004, 2005, brought him back for this record. And I think you've really got to be a bit careful when you are in sort of pretty good shape. You know, I thought Misery Signals were in pretty good shape on Absent Light. And then they released this album. And I'm like, it's an all right record. Like, again, it's not a bad record, but I actually think the last one was better. And you've kicked out, it's a bit like John Bush and Joe Belladonna. Right. You know, I'm not saying that Jesse's a not, is not, is a bad singer. Whereas I would say that Joe Belladonna is a bad singer, but I don't, I, I, I was totally nonplussed by that record. You know, I was just completely like, yeah, this is a, you know, for this sort of, oh my God, he's back, you know, for the people that were really in on that. <clears throat> and I, I just don't think it was anything to get excited about. So they're the ones that I sort of was disappointed by there are a few others from bands who i didn't really feel like i liked and this was like the nail in the coffin for that so i mean fever 333 just keep getting worse and i thought that ep wrong generation was just them getting worse again and i just I, i'm now like i just don't really think i'm ever gonna like that band mm. i don't believe that i'm ever gonna like them enter shikari i've never liked enter shikari but I did think there was some all right stuff on the Mind Sweep. Uh, that album they put out this year it did nothing for me at all. And it just sort of made me go, I guess I'm never, just never going to like Ent Shigari. Because mm. there are a lot of people who seem to think that that was 
good. You quite liked it. I really, you? yeah, I really did. I, I would have said that that album was bubbling under for me. I, I, mm. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. For fans of the streets, fourth album. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that bring me the eyes. I mean, for strictly just rubbish ones, that bring me the eyes. An EP with a long name. It's awful. Oh my god! Actually, it's that's a pr- that's a pretty good. Yeah, the the one released in January, not the one that was released most recently. That's actually a pretty good shout for worst album uh ep of the year whatever you want to call it 75 fucking minutes i mean it's just an album you know mm. utter dog shite bollocks yeah. um i have just thought i don't know if this counts as disappointing or worse but uh fake names i'm, I'm, I'm gonna say disappointing because i don't think that fake names album is a dreadful record but when you've got dennis from refused and members of uh is it members of minor threat that were in fake names or- yeah it was uh who the fuck was it it was i can't i do not i can't remember the fact that i've forgotten already goes was it brian baker on drums i think it was you know uh minor threat soa um you know like a really 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 uh incredible musicians who've done some incredible stuff and it just sounded really kind of bit old, wasn't it? bit old yeah mm. like like one of the most forgettable records of the year like just really really bleh, fine you know yeah ditto the new strokes album the new abnormal i don't really love the strokes that much but i quite like them and i thought that was a mess wasn't it there were things on that album that you just think i cannot believe a band that big that established would i mean you said it there were things that sounded there were things that sounded wrong on it there were things that like sounded like they needed to be fixed i no. i mean i've never really liked the strokes to be honest Mm. so i didn't have much of a I didn't have a, a, a much expectations for it, but it was actually worse than I thought it would be. <laughs> so. And I, I wanted to shout out our good friend Moby, all visible yeah. objects as well, for his <laughs> unbelievably, unbearably dull record. Met him in Sainsbury's once. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was the whole... Was Hearing this story again is more interesting than talking about <laughs> that boring Moby album again. Yeah. But for me, I have to say the most disappointing record of the year and it feels a bit shitty because we've mentioned some really big bands who probably won't give a fuck whereas there might be some people who might not have ever bothered with this band before but because i really do like them and think they are good forgotten days by paul bearer is my most disappointing record oh, of the good, year that's me okay wow that's um that's oh wow that surprised me that shocked me i i it is um oof. Uh, it's my least favorite Paul Bearer record, I would imagine, and I, it certainly didn't do for me what it did for loads of other people. I mean, I think that is a record that is going to get on some lists. Mm. I would expect, and I certainly think it's been very, very overrated. Um, but did you feel it was that that bad, really? No, only because I, I've gone back to it a couple of times, and I, I didn't expect anything from Green Day or Bring Me the Horizon, or Ent Shikari, or really Misery Signals, or Fever 333, or Public Enemy, or The Strokes. You know, I don't mind The Strokes. Was it going to be? I don't know. Suicide Silence? Dano. I, my my bar was not very high for any of those bands, and yet they still weren't able to get over it. In Green Day's case, they didn't even... <laughs> they kind of dug a tunnel underneath the bar. <laughs> but for paul bearer i really i was really 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 genuinely looking forward to a new paul bearer record like really really looking forward to it and i think there's some good things on it but it's not the classic that i 
I, well, not even that I wanted, that I expected. I genuinely, I expected to be like, this is going to be top 10. This is, maybe that's my own expectation, expectation levels getting in the way of the record, but I really didn't. I haven't gone back to it. And when you think how great, you know, they've been in the past, mm. your heart is so great. Mm. And I, I, it's nowhere near that for me. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think with the rest of them, it's just like, oh, well, Fever 3 are still shit, mm. you know, or, oh, well, Public Enemy are old. Yeah. Whereas this, I really kind of expected something from the record and I didn't, and I don't feel like I've got it. So I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely quite disappointed. But the thing is, is unlike all those other bands, I will still be excited for another Paul Bearer record well, when it comes along. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think that's the, the reason why for me, Lamb of God edges it because this has marked the point where I am no longer going to be that excited about a new Lamb, Lamb of God record. Yes. Yeah, um, and uh, Forgotten Days for me, um, I think it's it's a far better record than the Lamb of God one, if I'm honest. And I also, yeah, I will be excited about album number five when it comes along in a couple of years' time. Um, so I think that's the reason maybe why I'm somewhat surprised. Um, but yeah, I understand your reasoning for it and I understand why you've put it in there. It it definitely, it, it either way, it was a disappointment. Whether it was the biggest of the year, I'm not too sure about, but it certainly was disappointing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was disappointed by it, unfortunately. Um, but like you say, still a great band, regardless. Oh, yeah. So what about Renfrey? The best... Don't want to go straight into the top 10, having not spoken about anything nice. Don't want to be negative all the time. Nicest surprise. There have been a few things that have come out this year that have come along, and I haven't really expected that much of them. But yet they've over-delivered. The, the first one that sticks out to me in that category is the kingdom by bush mm, mm. which really yeah. sticks out because who could ever have thought that bush were capable of writing a good if you'd have told me that in 2004 bush were going to do a good album i'd go nah <laughs> yeah. in, two, in 2020 unbelievable but yeah. that is a good that is genuinely a good record it's a really good record it's a it's a fantastic album and i've been playing it quite a lot it, i'd say it was bubbling under for me mm, um yeah. like it's it's a really really good you know fairly 90s sounding record I, I mean even then it's like it was more modern than i expected it to sound and i don't know if it'll bring on lots and lots and lots of um people or not but um yeah uh that was a really really tremendous tremendous record really the kingdom just just great songs on it like just great songwriting really simple really good <clears throat> alternative rock songs mm. like simple as very good i've also put marilyn manson's we are chaos which actually got into my top 40 i you know i i couldn't ever have expected a good Marilyn Manson. I've not really liked anything Marilyn Manson has done for a very, very long time. We Are Chaos is really good. Yeah, really good. Record. Like legit, really good. One, one of the uh, certainly the leanest record. Well, probably the leanest record Marilyn Manson's ever released. Um, mm. Certainly the biggest hit rate from beginning to end. Um, yeah, surprisingly good record that We Are Chaos. Um, and I, yeah. I think for me, I probably would have put it bubbling under as well. Um, really really good record i i have a bit of a um an odd one 
Um, but in terms of like my attitude towards the band and then what was actually delivered and uh, I was I, just prior to sex, death and violence coming out by Creeper, I was a bit fed up of them. You know, when a hype, the, the hype around a band can just really yeah. cool you off about them. And Eternity in Your Arms, I thought was decent, but really over, uh, really overhyped, to be totally honest. I didn't think that Creeper quite, um, I don't think they quite got to the standard of those EPs at their best. And by going into a totally different direction and bringing up, it was a surprising record because it brought in so many elements that I wasn't expecting to hear. And the quality of it was just so much higher than I expected it to be as well. If this had been a top 30, Creeper would have been in it. I'm pretty, pretty certain. So that might seem like a bit of a weird one because I didn't dislike the band at all or hate them. I was just getting a little bit fed up of hearing other people talking about Creeper without anything new being delivered um mm. and i think actually they they absolutely killed it i think i think this new record is by far the best thing they've ever done yeah i really like that record mm. that was super high that it's was brilliant. very very close to getting into my top 20 mm -hmm. really really good record i'd also like to chuck in the ozzy osbourne album ordinary man i think there's some awful songs on that but there are shockingly some quite good songs on it as well mm -hmm. i expected it to be a total disaster and there are actually some, you know, we we were we were pretty shocked at how good it was in parts. I mean, there's some stuff on it that is not good. Ozzy and Elton together, it's not great. Hmm. But I think we expected, or at least I expected the whole thing to sound like that. Mm -hmm. And when it didn't, I was like, okay, well done, Ozzy. You can just about do the thing still. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... Not exactly heady praise, admittedly. No, 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 no. But, you know. Uh, Phanazoric 2 by The Ocean. Great show. It's a great record. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I really, you know, I was properly like, I don't want to do I don't care about The Ocean. I don't care. Like, did we even, did I even like the last one? You know, you, you're fucking pulling your hair out going, it's good. And I was like, no, I can't be bothered to listen to it. it but it, it is good. You were right. You were right. Probably the biggest argument we've had this year has <laughs> been about covering that ocean record. Because <laughs> I just was like, oh God, I don't want to listen to another hour long, boring, bloody band who just no one is just and i was like i know what it's gonna sound like and then it didn't it was good yeah and it is really you know really, it is really good. good and i that's my own i mean that's probably my own snobbery <laughs> that brought silly that boy. apart but silly boy. silly boy i said it at the time and i'll say it again you did. silly boy steve yeah. um mm. from the same week um a, another kind of outlier in a strange way not a record that you liked but if you had told me that um, I was going to just absolutely adore and fall in love with the new Anna von Hauswolf record. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, an album where she's playing, well, it's an instrumental like pipe organ album that I, I didn't have strong feelings towards Anna von Hauswolf before hearing that record at all. I, I certainly, I'd seen her live and I'd been in a room full of people who were just like, enraptured by her performance and i wasn't really feeling it and i felt like she was a artist who i probably was missing something 
Um, and then she releases a record which is totally different to anything else that she's released, which doesn't sound like it would be in my wheelhouse at all. And it made me fucking cry. Um, in terms of surprises, mm. I think Anna von Housewell, I know you hated it. I know you hated it. I think it is well, a record which will inspire either love or hatred. And I and I would, if, if anyone listened to it and went, I couldn't fucking stand that record, I'd be like, fair enough. It's, it's weird as fuck. But I'd, I just loved it. I loved it. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing, right? You'll notice I didn't mention that record when I went for most disappointing stroke bad record because, I mean, I've got such fucking dogs. I've never had more outrage from people going, oh, Anna Van Houten is a genius. Oh, really? And how, how dare you, like, say, oh, you're just, you're an idiot. Like, and I was like, I'm not an idiot. I'm aware that she's talented. I'm aware that she's very unique. I'm aware of all of these things. I just don't like it. Mm. I just don't want to listen to it. So I wouldn't say it's dis- I would, you know, I can't say I was disappointed by it and I definitely can't say it's bad. Mm. But what I can say is I have absolutely no interest in that whatsoever. You can tell me how brilliant she, you know, it's like, I I can talk to somebody who doesn't like metal about how brilliant Mastodon are until I lose my voice. It's not going to change their mind. No. But I do but they they might just go or other some other people go no, no it's shit. I don't think Anna von Hauswolf is shit. I'm just, I cannot, I cannot listen to it. No, no, I, I, that's fair. I mean, look, it's a, it's a very avant-garde, strange record to mm. say the least. Um, speaking of avant-garde and strange, 2020 by Bon Jovi. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you um, can't. No. I, look, I know you just <laughs> fucking hated it, but I never, more or less, but I never, I, I it was far better than I expected it to be. It's not a glowing recommendation because my my expectations were pretty low, to say the least. Um, but the fact that there was a song on there that I fucking fell in love with and just thought was absolutely amazing and was That's weird that <laughs> was just the last thing I expected from a Bon Jovi record in 2020. Um, I mean, and and I also I also expected it to sound one way um i expected it to sound old and tired and him trying to recreate the 80s and it was really nice to see that that wasn't what he's doing he has adapted and um found a sound that i think goes along with what an older more mature bon jovi would sound like but i think that's far a far better approach to take than trying to redo fucking living on a prayer or something you know probably is yeah I think so. Especially when you've got people like Corey Taylor doing it for him. <laughs> yeah. Or trying to. Yeah, trying. Uh, we have to mention Five Finger Death Punch, really. This year started in a, bl- a flurry of activity and a lot of positivity, definitely from only from me, really, towards Five Finger Death Punch. Now, I have to say, I've not listened to that Five Finger Death Punch album oh. since we spoke about it haven't to be honest other than seeing those songs live because obviously i went to go and see them at wembley arena one of the only gigs that i went to this year Mm -hmm. seeing five finger death punch lucky you and lucky me well it was lucky me actually because it was a pretty good show and i I did actually have a nice time and i'll tell you what the the lack of gigs that we've both had over this year i bet if i offered you five finger death punch tickets and a few beers now i bet you'd snap my hand off (laughs) <laughs> supported by Megadeth uh, I, I, I might might leave after Megadeth 
don't know if I would, to be honest. I'm all right at home. Fucking hell. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know You've if been at home all year. <laughs> yeah, but I'm comfy. All right, fair enough. Uh, uh, okay. I, well, but I do, I certainly do agree with you in terms of surprises of the year because I, um, did I want to find fault in the Five Fingers of the Punch? No, not particularly, but I was really expecting to be like, oh, this is just fucking dross, isn't it? And it is dross, but it is actually well-crafted, well-written dross, um, yeah. which I hadn't heard. I mean, I preferred the new five finger death punch album to the greatest hits collection that they released a few years ago they've actually released a volume two greatest hits collection which really seems unnecessary um but i you know i think it's i think f8 fate whatever is a far better record than that best Mm. of collection um and it probably does have some of the strongest albums uh some of the strongest songs of that band's entire back catalog on it so i i yeah. i think so yeah i think so i was surprised at how good it was but still, anyway i have one winner still don't want to see it. okay fair enough well i'm sure i can find someone to go with me in this <laughs> fake like, imaginary five finger death punch show my winner my biggest surprise and most hearty nicest surprise of the year now we were really really shitting ourselves about reviewing this really shitting ourselves bob dylan rough and rowdy ways oh what that's a great shout yeah fuck me how did i forget that yeah that is the one i think because i winced as i went to press play on that yes i really genuinely thought oh god we're gonna have to come on and batter bob dylan and i don't really want to do that nope it's the last thing anyone wants to do is to just mug off bob dylan but kind of against all the odds it's great and i think murder most foul the last song the sort of 16 nearly 17 minute long song that ends the record is a really brilliant like genius masterstroke way of ending that record yeah and yeah i I mean that i mean to be fair that never really got that close to getting into my list really which should tell you either a how good a year it's been or b how comparatively it's not great compared to other stuff but it was on my long list mm. so but it was certainly something that i gave a, a bit of consideration to yeah, yeah initially yeah, yeah. Yeah. which i don't think i ever would have imagined i would have done if you tell me at the start of the year you'll be considering a bob dylan album yeah in your in in the, the one of the best years you can remember for fucking god knows how long for music and you're still considering a bob dylan record this deep in his career I've heard his Christmas album like <laughs> that shouldn't have happened, but it, here we are. <laughs> Very good. So that would be mine. Um, that's a great shout. Actually, um, I'm going to just jump in there and go, yes, that one's mine as well. Because <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> because that is a brilliant shout. That is a brilliant shout. I expected it to be utter dog shit, frankly. And all the reviews that were coming in, the five star reviews and all this sort of stuff didn't help persuade me at all because, you know, there's plenty of absolute dog shit records which have been given amazing reviews over the years. But I was really, and oh God, getting the record in and then seeing it's like 70 minutes long. I was just like, oh my God, not only is it going to be turgid, but it's going to be long and turgid. And it isn't any of those things. 70 minutes breezes by quite quickly. Seeing, yeah, mm. seeing songs that are the length of like 16 minutes long. That's what a lot of kind of like um, 
older artists do when they have run out of ideas, you know. Um, but I don't think um, it's rough and ready ways the record's called, isn't it? Rough and rowdy ray- rough, ways. Yeah. I don't think it's um, devoid of ideas at all. I think it's a no. really bold, interesting. I don't think it's quite the five out of five that a lot of um, a no. lot of publications gave it. And you know, certainly in the Metacritic list, it's it's very high. I can't remember mm. where it is exactly, but I think it's like top ten or top twenty. Um, but yeah, in terms of like my expectations and where it actually landed. Yeah, Bob Dylan is a brilliant shout. For sure. Uh, all right, so there you go. Uh, so we're going to do, I guess, what we did last week, carry on from that order with me starting and then you following on afterwards. Yes. Yeah? Yes. All right, good. I'll start then. Number 10 for me was probably, one. well, yeah, no, definitely one of my favourite discoveries, maybe my favourite discovery of 2020. Backwash. God has nothing to do with this. Leave him out of it. I happened upon this album. I can't even really remember how now. I don't really spend a lot of time looking for new artists on Spotify that much. But when I do, I always seem to find something that I really like. So maybe I should do that more often. But when I found this record and I started listening to it, and I'm not quite sure what it was that that even brought me to, to this record which isn't even on spotify anymore no but why I, is that i have no idea mm. i have no idea but at you know less than half an hour 25 26 minutes long this record packs in so much stuff and it is incredibly exciting to hear an amalgam of dark arcane satanic evil sounding stuff kind of quasi-religious imagery, old-school heavy metal, trap beats, super personal, really, really confrontational, scabrous lyrics and lyrical flow all melded together and kind of spat out with pretty much, again, it's something I said quite a lot last week, absolutely no respect for genre conventions at all whatsoever i'm not really sure what sort of artist backwash is i feel having listened to the the pre um god has nothing to do with this back catalog i felt like it was clearer earlier on i think this has actually muddied the waters in a fucking fantastic way when you hear ozzy coming in on that black sabbath sample on the first track like the hairs on the back of my neck came up and she's got like a really distinctive, the thing sort of in hip hop that you, I feel like most people will say you look for is a distinctive timber to the voice and a really distinctive flow and a real kind of personality like that makes and breaks hip hop music. And I'm not even sure that calling this just hip hop is really accurate or telling the full story but the story of her and the the type of music she listens to like you know i've been sort of lucky enough to chat to her three times this year yeah for metal hammer um and she knows loads about metal obviously she knows loads about hip-hop but she's really interested in cool underground avant-garde artists as well you know we got talking about the sort of um 
the, the avant-garde underground electronic uh, kind of noise avant-garde noise scene out in um in in montreal and all that shit is super interesting to me because i love artists who just snaffle up and kind of magpie all the best bits from all these really wide range of genres you know there's bits of nine inch nails on this there's bits of led zeppelin on this but yet it all sounds so fucking fresh and this you know this this kind of pushing rappers into metal territories with stuff like scar lord uh i guess ghost main ghost main i at this point i can i, I fully understand why metal hammer and kerrang and people like that are, are jumping on ghost main because ghost main that new album is barely even a rap album really the, the ghost main record that came out this year but for me you know horror i think i i, I listened to horror and i was like i it's just not, not enough songs, you know. There's not enough songs that grab me. Scarlord, totally. there's not enough songs that grab me. There's bits I think is really that are, that are really cool. But I think if you're going to exist within metal territories, you need to have more than just moments. You need kind of full-blown songs. And I feel like Backwash has a really, really great grasp and understanding of how to construct a song. And this record, in 25, 26 minutes, however long it is, it gets so much done and it's so fucking exciting. Yeah. I I love this record, man. I love it. It never I'm always stunned when it when it ends. Cause I listen to it and I think I must have been what, what that that must be 45, 50, yeah, yeah, 55 yeah. minutes. It must be. Yeah. There's no way you could get all of that into 25 minutes. Yeah. And you think, God, yeah, it's just 25 minutes. Yeah, it's wicked, this record. Yeah. It's, it's so wicked. It's absolutely bursting with ideas. And I kind of feel like she adopts a similar approach to hip-hop as manuel does to like black metal with zia leonardo in that she's bringing mm. in so many different like uh other influences and elements that it creates something quite unique sounding to her um i feel like <laughs> i feel like we are going to get quite a lot of this sort of stuff in the next few years there are some artists many of whom we haven't really talked about all that much on this show uh mimi barks springs to mind um who are just <laughs> fucking atrocious who we are we are not gonna talk about mimi barks by the way on this show other than that if it i mean if her album comes out during a very slow week we might but <laughs> but we'll see um but oh my god i mean if you compare it to the absolute trash that is coming it's really interesting that a lot of metal seem to have uh metal labels seem to have jumped on this kind of hip-hop crossover thing again now mm. and i think we're going to be plagued with a lot of dreadful stuff um that uh is maybe influenced by the likes of ghost main or um backwash or artists like that but so you know <laughs> be warned um but this is a one song from this is far more exciting than anything that the majority of those artists could do over an entire record um and the sound that she creates and the the atmosphere that she conjures by putting all of those elements together in a broth and kind of making them stew is yeah it's absolutely it's an unbelievable record it's fantastic you know well I'm, i mean one of the times i interviewed her was for the in, in hammer they did a slay list where you pick like 10 artists that you you really really love and she picked like atrocity exhibition by danny brown which for, for people who know that record i mean that is a that is a hard 
that is, I mean, it's a great record, but it's a fucking hard work, that record. She picked JPEG Mafia, who we spoke about last year, alongside Black Sabbath and like 3-6 Mafia, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, 3-6 Mafia, I think you look at it and you go, well, yeah, that 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 makes sense. Yeah. And Hendrix. And and then like Uboa. Like, you know, Uboa, the kind of the, the avant-garde, I mean, I don't even really know how, but I mean, that is, and that is as dark and dank and disgusting a record as you can possibly imagine like that is a really heavy 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 record and you get someone who listens to all that stuff and you get someone who is competent at making music and is inspired and has you know has a genuinely interesting background and upbringing and point of view and purpose for the reason that they make music and you put all that stuff together and it, it, it can't it can't not be interesting. Do you know what I mean? It can't not be exciting. And I really I'm really glad that that sort of rock and metal seem to have have taken to backwash. I'm really, really glad because like you say, I think there has been some very quite quite bad stuff that we've tried to as a sort of as the rock and metal community has tried to kind of co-opt as their own that i'm just like yeah i'm not oh. so sure i mean i don't want to shit on something like horror because horror fucking awesome live like amazing mm -hmm. i just don't think their records are as good as their live show mm. and i'm not being like oh they suck like fuck off you don't belong in like i absolutely no, no, no. I, I don't think that at all but i do think that you know there's a it, it, it's a significant um when i listen to their record and i listen to this record like I don't need to go and see Backwash to know that this record is great. Absolutely. Whereas I think you might have to go and see Horror to be like, oh, you know, those songs are all right. Actually. Absolutely. You don't hear and people talking about the records when it comes to horror. You hear them talking about the live show. So. Exactly. And, you know, she won a Polaris for this record, which mm. is sort of the Canadian equivalent of the Mercury Music Prize. So, yeah, I'm I'm really, really excited to see what she does next because mm. I think she's fucking so great man great really show. really great so that's my number 10 backwash god has nothing to do with this leave him out of it i always say the title wrong <laughs> there's this and god has nothing to do with it and god has leave them out of it I, <laughs> but i've just written i've read it so that's right it's Good. all right it's all right rita sorry um it's fine i know well, I, yeah i'm just <laughs> definitely gonna mispronounce something wrong this week um always Okay, so for my number 10, another album that brings in multiple different influences and uh, different diverse aspects to it. Um, I guess we should have known that Child Shoulder, Child Shoulder, I've already done it. Child Soldier. Child, <laughs> Child Soldier, creator of God by Greg Pucciato was going to be diverse, but holy yep. crap, what a diverse album. Mm -hmm. Um it's a reflection of the stuff that Greg likes and influences him effectively. It is a look into his brain, probably the most searing look into his brain that we've ever had. A smorgasbord of influences which encompass everything from punk to metal to hardcore to R&B, hip hop, film and video game scores. And Child Soldier, I almost did it again, Child Soldier, Creative God, draws on all of the above across its 65 minute running time all of them i remember once talking specifically to greg about how he said that the person we used to see front dillinger at shows was just a fraction of his personality 
around 10%. And I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it feels like Child Soldier Creative God is at least 50% of Greg. This is yeah. this is what solo albums should be, like a representation of the artists themselves and a look into their mind. And I think, you know, Greg has a personality which is very kind of um, all over the place. Like he's all over the place. He's very kind of like... Um, I think he can focus his attention onto one thing and get really obsessed with it. But also I think he kind of bores easily, you know? Um, and I think this album really, really reflects that. But there's ways to be broad and yet cohesive all at the same time. And and this album is a really shining example of that. There's no point where you feel like Greg's just dabbling in a sound or dabbling in a genre that he doesn't fully understand. Um it pulls off the expert trick of sounding like a cohesive album while simultaneously having a multitude of individual highlights and ingredients that you could play and enjoy separately. Um, It doesn't feel like, here's a million ideas, I'm going to chuck them all at the wall and see what sticks, but rather, here's a bunch of things that I want to explore because I love them, and I have a deep found admiration and understanding of them. It's sequenced brilliantly to the point where you have like heavy, really is, heavy yeah, sections yeah, yeah. of the record and then dream pop sections of the record, lush sections of the record. You'll get a couple of songs together, which are super, super heavy and intense. And then a couple of songs together, which are very kind of dreamy and um, the Black Queen-esque sounding. And I think that re- like that sequencing really, really helps to make the whole thing appear very, very cohesive. Um, and there are so many highlights on this album and it has so much depth that it's sometimes hard to pick them out. Down When I'm Not, for example, has firmly established itself as one of my favourite songs on this album, which is a really lightweight summer breeze fuzz rock song, basically, that could have been recorded by Smashing Pumpkins in their heyday. It's a brilliant song, but it, it would have never stood out to me on the first few listens. Um, Greg described it as a fun little noisy alternative summer song about falling in love and feeling like you're weightless racing and being propelled because of it Uh, which is a very good way to put it Um, and it wouldn't strike me as a highlight at all on the first listen but there's so much going on with this record that you can't take in all of the highlights on one listen alone you have to listen to it over and over and over and as a result of that highlights keep popping up and your favorite song on the record changes all the time um there's no way that down when i'm not would have been a favorite of mine on the first half dozen listens but now it's one of my favorite records on the on the whole one of my favorite songs on the whole record um you know i do is a beautiful eerie ballad that immediately reminded me of sex tape by deftones um and again i don't think that would uh stick out as a highlight on a first listen but you listen to it multiple times and suddenly i suppose what i'm trying to say is not only is the record instantaneous there are instantaneous highlights the first time you hear it but there's so much depth to it and it had the added distinction of being a an immediate album but a grower at the same time there's simply too much to take in on one or two or even half a dozen listens and so the highlights keep coming and changing as you familiarize yourself with the record um, you described Greg as the new Mike Patton, and I totally understand what you're getting at. Uh, you're effectively saying he can turn his hands to loads of different styles and sound like an expert at all of them. 
And I agree to an extent, but when I listen to this album, I don't really think of Mike Patton. I think of Greg Pachato. This album is so fully infused with his personality and his quirks and his creative mind. Even the sheer breadth of the record feels very Greg. He's a million miles a minute and there's a scattergun approach that in lesser hands would have gone out of got out of control. But Greg is always on top of this creation. We got excited by the prospect of Killer Be Killed becoming a quote unquote real band rather than a curiosity with the release of their second album. And I'm perfectly happy to have more Killer Be Killed. But my biggest hope is that Greg will continue to drill this particular creative vein. Because if this is the start of something, if it, you know, this is his debut solo album. Can you imagine mm. what album number three or album number four or number album number eight would sound like? Mm. That's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, this was in my list last week, as some of you will remember. And I agree with all of that. It's fucking fantastic records. Uh, I've said everything I need to say about it, really. But yes, I fully agree. I would love to think that this is the beginning of a fully blown, fully fledged solo career from Greg. Because he's clearly got so much to give. So much. Do you know what I'll also say? In a weird way, after hearing this record, I'm kind of more excited by the prospect of Greg continuing down this road than I am by say a Dillinger reunion because, oh yeah god me too yeah yeah because this, uh, this feels like uh, uh, I don't want to say an elder states it feels it feels like a more mature kind of approach that could be continued for many many years down the road whereas I don't know how long can they do Dillinger you know how long could they have done Dillinger for I think that was a large part of the reason they broke up because it was like we can't do this forever you know so yeah. you know and to say that uh, is absolutely astonishing but yeah it's very 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 good record let's have some more please Gregory thank you very much my number nine now there's a chance a lot of the time I think when you release a record at the very very start of the year that come the end of the year you might get a little bit forgotten about you release an album too late or too early you tend not to get put on these kind of lists so i think it takes something pretty special on a year this special to make it to my number nine spot but then i've always had the biggest boner <laughs> for and you'll know us by the train of dead and 10 the godless void and other stories was never never not gonna get somewhere in this top 20 the fact that in a year of this staggering quality it's made it into the top 10 despite the fact that it came out on the 17th of january yeah 17th of january it was our second or third I, week i think it was, yeah, yeah. Is is some some going from them. Yeah. Now, again, this might just be because I fucking love this band. And this couldn't be much more different from the two albums that we've spoken about already today because essentially what you have here is basically more of the same thing that this band has been doing for 20-odd years. But unlike Bush, say, who do just make really good alternative rock songs, trail of dead don't sound like any other band other than trail of dead they have an, an unbelievable unique quality to the music that they make i used to compare trail of dead and i think i did on the review that we did for this record i used to compare them to 
or I used to say, if there was a modern day Beatles, it would be a new one asked by a trailer dead because they all swap instruments. They all are masters at playing their different bits. I mean, I know Jason and Conrad are the main two and kind of continue to be the main two to this day. And they've got a real Lennon and McCartney feel between the two of them. Definitely. Yeah. And there's just something about the way that those two gentlemen construct songs. It's not like they're just a straight ahead alternative rock band. They can be a punk band. They can be a post rock band. They can be a melancholic indie band. This is 50 minutes long, this record. And it's got some, for, for my money, I mean, I love all of their albums. so I don't even really know where I'd put it. I probably wouldn't put, I mean, I think we said when we reviewed it all the way back in January, that this doesn't really get, you know, it's not like this is the best Trail of Dead album. It's probably not even in the top three. But yet, despite <laughs> that, they're so fucking good. I mean, I love everything of theirs I've heard, pretty much. I know there's been a couple that I, I haven't heard. Um, but it's more of them being just brilliant. I mean, the title track is amazing. Gone is... Gone into Children of the Sky might be two of the most hauntingly beautiful examples of in indie rock, of a genre which is essentially like fucking dead, like indie rock. Mm -hmm. no one no one gives a fuck about that anymore no one cares you know like i said this is not like greg or like backwash where this is new and exciting and vibrant and taken from all these other different genres they're doing the thing essentially that they've really that they've always done throughout their entire career 20 odd plus years you know it's the same approach that did source tags and codes mm -hmm. but because they are so idiosyncratic and so weird and so unique and so different to everybody else, it doesn't really matter. If they continue to write material of this quality, of this standard, it's why it's why they're one of the best bands of the last 20 years. You know? I mean, this isn't even a shock. <clears throat> when we're saying, you know, like nice surprises or whatever, mm. the fact that, I mean, it's obviously, I wouldn't put it in as like my biggest surprise because it's in, one because it's in my top 10 so that would be a bit of a spoiler and two i'm not surprised at how good this is mm. i wasn't surprised this is what they do all the time the fact that they're playing half empty rooms you know where we saw them at the start of the year that was another gig that we went to mm. it's shameful really embarrassing mm. i don't understand how you know, bands like Green Day are getting and Muse are playing stadiums and Trailer Dead are playing tiny little clubs and they've got more creativity and originality and talent in their collective little finger than those two bands for my money in 2020. This album's fucking brilliant. It does all the stuff that you, you person who likes guitar music, all the stuff that you like, it's on this record. And it's as good as any of the other stuff released this year of that ilk that you, do you know what I mean? There's, there's not... Listen to that new Smashing Pumpkins album, then listen to this and tell me oh, who's yeah. the better band. Yeah. It's Trail of Dead. It's, that's yeah. a rhetorical question. Fucking great record. Uh, so yeah, you go. That's my number my number nine. I need to say my number 10, but it is 10. The Godless Void and Other Stories by Andy and Nurse by The Trail of Dead. That is my number nine. I am sagely nodding. I was sagely nodding yeah. throughout all of that. Um, another mm. amazing band from the last 20 years, um, Deptones. Um, 
The response to Deftones' ninth album has been somewhat puzzling for you and I, I feel, in some ways. Uh, it seems to have been received with utter elation by fans and critics alike. And like mm. I already mentioned in the last part of this album of the year, you, you will be seeing it on a lot of other people's lists, I guarantee you. Um, number one in the Revolver albums of the year list. It seems all the more baffling after the rather muted response to Gore, a fantastic record that I feel like you and I will be defending until we're both six feet under, probably. Yeah. Um, if I'm totally honest, Oms to me isn't the sound of classic Deftones, but it is Deftones. And that in and of itself is something to be celebrated. It's definitely a modern Deftones album. It feels luscious and mixes that luscious feel with those heavy elements. It's a sublime mix of the 2003 self-titled album and Koino Yakan, I think, sprinkled with various other elements that they've utilised throughout the career. And maybe the reception to it is in part because it acts as a sort of best of for Deftones, incorporating elements from their entire career to this point where you to the point where you can say oh that's a very around the fur era chorus or oh the flow in that song feels very adrenaline you know yeah i think it's reminded people why they like deftone so much in the first place and i personally didn't need to be reminded of how wonderful this band is and i don't think you did either which is maybe while you'll see it see it lower in our list than you might in others but the fact that what i consider to be a mid-tier deftones album should reach number nine i was, gonna, I was so quite tempted to say engine number nine then but i just thought that shit <laughs> um, uh, no on my albums of the year list in a year as strong as this should give an indication as to just how much i treasure this band the added synths by frank delgado and the fact that all five members of deftones appear to have an equal share of this record are both very welcome additions to a band whose fractious nature has brought out the best and worst in the band, to be, if we're honest. Uh, and on seems Deftones in a far more relaxed, more content to let each other work as one amorphous unit. It could, as you pointed out in your review um, when we reviewed this record, and I wasn't so sure at the time, but I've actually come round to your way of thinking, it could potentially mark a new phase in Deftones' career, one devoid of that creative, competitive chemistry that people like me and Steve like to write about. New Deftones is exciting enough as it is, but the prospect of Ums, Oms ushering in a new phase of their career... I mean, that to me is really, really, really exciting. And if this is the turning point, if this is the record where they turn on a dime and go in that slightly more kind of um, everyone on the same page, everyone getting an equal slice, slice of the pie kind of approach, I think the next album could be absolutely, it could be an absolute all-time Deftones classic, potentially. Yeah, could be, couldn't it? But this will I mean... do. <laughs> this, this is a fucking do. great record. Yeah, it's fucking I mean, it's great. got in, it's got in your top ten, my top <coughs> fifteen, and yet both of us are. I think we're both of us think it's probably the weakest thing they've done this decade. I think I do prefer it to Gore by a snitch by a tiny, 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 tiny amount. But um, I mean, in my overall. List. You've changed your tune. I thought you liked Gore 
more when we reviewed it. No, no, no. I said exactly the same thing then. And I, I'll say Did it you? again. Yep, yep, yep. You, you said that it was you your just, least favourite oh, of the last four. But yeah. it's, it's, it narrowly, for me, it's narrowly better than gore. But, but by, there's so little in it for my, for my money. I mean, with Deftones albums overall, it'd be fifth, sixth, maybe on the list. Um, yeah. But that's just a sign of what a fucking amazing band Deftones are. Such a great band. What a great band. Yeah, I agree. I mean, God, if they can pump this up into something even better on the next record, that's going to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. Bloody love Deftones. So there you go. All right, my number eight. I just said Trailer Dead. Right, alternative rock in a unique idiosyncratic way, bettering just about everyone else who tries to do something similar to them. The reason I said just about rather than literally better than everyone is because my number eight is a band who do something fairly similar to that, but although, although not, it's in the same world, I guess. Gold Key, Panic Machine. Now, I didn't really know much about Gold Key musically. I know you were a fan of their yeah. previous record, weren't you, Rimfrey? Yeah. But I hadn't really listened to it. And I also I saw them supporting grave pleasures and i thought yeah, it's pretty good and that was about it really i hadn't really thought anything about it. i had no real strong opinion on gold key either way so this was a beautiful surprise to get this record which i think i tweeted when i was listening to it the other day that imagine if muse were actually good <laughs> this is what they'd sound like this record is is fucking brilliant and it was again it's one of those ones that it's just great songs there's no kind of agenda no kind of bells and whistles to it no really super interesting story and when you get albums like that over the course of a year sometimes with a lack of hype and a lack of hook to get you excited about all the stuff surrounding the band you can kind of forget about those albums a little bit you can sort of forget that 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 you enjoyed that in the first place and that's why, you know, bands like this, they absolutely live on, live or die solely on the strength of their music. And Gold Key's music is fucking incredible. Don't Sleep, the second track on here, a kind of uh, a tech metal meets, well, I was going to say, I've already said Muse, but like there is that touch of Muse-esque histronics mixed yep. with some sort of proper heavy tech metal um, the placeboisms of a song like Mechanical World, or the, the, it almost sounds like polythene era feeder. And I don't think of feeder as, you know, I know some people go like, oh, feeder is on those boring dad rock, the, the bands, whatever. Po- Absolutely not. Polythene is brilliant. And actually they have... Polythene's brilliant. Feeder have plenty of brilliant albums. So yeah, rubbish. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just fucking fantastic. A song like Trick of the Light, which follows it, which is as, I mean, it's not even, I was about to say it's like a kind of a post-punk opera, but it's it's almost too bright and too shimmery, yet dark sounding to describe it as post-punk. This record is like a, it's, it's a rough diamond is what I feel like this record is. You know, it's perfect songwriting, brilliant songwriting, really, again, really unique really idiosyncratic a song like flying to the sun 
should be being played on massive festival stages in front of 80,000 people who are all waving their arms and singing back, bellowing back the words to Gold Key. They are the kind of band who 25 years ago would have been massive. They would have been massive because these songs are so fucking great. And it's a, I think it's a real shame that bands like this don't seem to get the recognition that they deserve for just writing. You know, it doesn't seem to be enough for people anymore that you can just write really brilliant, idiosyncratic, odd, catchy, massive sounding alternative rock songs. Mm -hmm. We look at something like Royal Blood and how big Royal Blood are. And how little craft Royal Blood have in comparison with anything that you would listen to on Panic Machine. And it's fucking frightening. It's ridiculous. I've just gone back to back here. Eight and nine. Trailer Dead and Gold Key. Two bands who... in There is an alternative universe where those two bands are headlining the Friday and Saturday night at Reading Festival. Back to back. And that is basically where they should be. Because that is as good as the music that they make is. But I don't know. I've not really seen loads and loads and loads of people talking about this album, particularly this year. I've seen a few people who seem to really love it. It's definitely not completely flown under the radar in the same way as something like Martin Gretsch has. But it doesn't really feel like people have gravitated to it in this, the way that I believe they should have done. This should be a breakthrough record. Mm-hmm. This should be like a an, an all-time classic breakthrough record success story it's fucking great i mean you know it's very simple i've not got a lot else to say about it really it is i say it's very simple there's some incredibly (laughs) there's some weird shit going on on in it but that's the sort of textures the sonic textures like it's that's a beautifully layered record the production's fucking great songs are great the vocals are stand out they're really unusual there's some brilliant catchy backing vocal parts it's really different really dynamic it's just fucking great this record it's great Renfrew's, Renfrew's keeping stum I'm, uh, I'm nodding tell you everything I'm nodding so much I feel like my head's about to come off but yes mm. um, alright there you go that's my number 8 Panic Machine by Golkey. nice uh, my number 8 I never fully understood or even appreciated just how much I needed napalm death in my life <laughs> until Throes of Joy and the Jaws of Defeatism came along. Uh, a hugely important band, having influenced the world of extreme music on a global scale. But I never thought I'd find my route into such a vast and intimidating back catalogue this late into a band's career. Um, this album made me dive headfirst into their catalogue and as a result, Napalm Death might be the most important and vital discovery I've made in 2020. Um, better 30-odd years late than never, I would say. Um, oh, yeah. When I look at what's happened to a band like Metallica or even my absolutely adored number one favourites, Pearl Jam, I adore those bands with every fibre of my being. But at this stage in their respective careers, I don't expect either of them to write an album songs that will truly 
ever resonate with me in the same way that, say, Unjustice for All does or Versus does. The fact that Napalm Death not only remain relevant, but appear to be at the apex of their creativity is nothing short of astonishing. Firmly established fans of the band, I think I can include you in this, would say Throws of Joys throws of joined the jaws of defeatism is one of the best albums they've ever done can i include you in that i think i can yes you can yeah, yes yeah, yeah. um napalm death music still sounds contemporary to the point where their post 2000 material sounds more vital and potent than those supposed late 80s classics you know scum hasn't aged well let's face it but I see no such problems with Throws of Joy and the Jaws of Defeatism. It has the songwriting craft and chops of a band who've been writing 30 plus years, but with a band who still have the bit between their teeth. Um, the ferocity displayed on this record is unparalleled. The fact that they're still taking on new directions and mastering them so skillfully as they show on a moral and a belly full of salt and spleen those i'm not au fait with the whole of napalm death's back catalogue but i have been assured that those are new directions for this band to take mm. and they take them on in a remarkable fashion it, it's an incredible um it's 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 an incredible mark of creativity that a band who have been going this long can continue to do new things and pull them off this well. Through discovering this album, Napalm Death have shot into the upper echelons of world's greatest extreme bands for me alongside, I don't know, Converge, Cult of Luna, you know, some of the absolute best of the best. And I know that they've been in, in that place for years and years and years and many for many, many fans, but now I understand why. Now I get it. And discovering albums like enemies of the music business and going back through their back catalogue and realizing jesus christ they've been doing amazing stuff of this quality for years and years and years and who said that with any conviction about hardwired to self-destruct you know <laughs> wow well, no quite a lot of people said it who said it with any conviction <laughs> is what I'm going to mm. say. Um, and you can, you can, like, you can absolutely 100% go Throws of Joy and the Jaws Defeatism, one of the best albums Napalm Death have ever released. And I don't, you know, it's sad to say, but I don't think we're going to get that from a Pearl Jam in the future. As much as I love them, I don't think we're going to get that from Metallica in the future. And I think it is a stunning mm. state of affairs that that has happened with Napalm Death. Fair fucking play. What a great band. All-time great band. I, I agree with everything you just said, Renfrey. And if you want to hear my take on it, um, they were in my list last week. You can hear so, it last week, yep. Yeah. Mm. Number seven for me uh, might be the most critically acclaimed album that I am talking about uh, this year. Fiona Apple, Fetch the Bolt Cutters is my number seven. Now, this is kind of quite low for Fiona Apple when I consider how I felt about it in the sort of intervening months after it first come out, where I definitely was in pretty much the same headspace as those people who were, you know, proclaiming it to be an absolute masterpiece. I think it is. I just think that 
there have been some other albums that have come along that have made me go holy shit that i just that that is a sign of how great the quality of this year is because this was in the running for my number one spot at one point i was like this is kind of neck and neck with a couple of other things um i don't have a great sort of relationship with fiona apple in terms of being a, how much of a fan i am i'm not you know i'm not a au fait with her entire back catalog uh but i'd always respected her as as an artist and what i've sort of found listening to this record is that the the kind of the angry girl in alternative music has been a well-worn well-trodden formula for many a year now you can go back to Janis Joplin in the 60s you can go back to Patti Smith in the 70s you know you can go back to Alanis Morissette as we talked about earlier with the jagged little pill in a lot of ways I feel like Fetcher Bolt Cutters is kind of an an angrier version of jagged little pill for 2020 um there is a lot of that indie you know scorned indie girl about fetcher bolt cutters on on the surface you know i think you can put this record on and you can definitely get that that feeling from this record but there's so much more to it than that i think i've i've not been as impressed by a record in the same way as i'm impressed by this the production the the bravery the kind of the quality of the 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 the, the way the the instrumentation is created i mean when you get um a song like under the table with the little kind of Lausch piano bit with her going, kick me under the table or you won't, or you want, I won't shut up. I won't shut up. It's such a like fucking yes. And she manages to marry kind of Billy holiday, Lausch jazz with righteous indignation and unsurpassed fury. She manages to take a John Congleton esque paper chase style, level of scabrous willful antagonism to stuff like Alanis Morissette and she manages to marry those two things together and I think she's just got such an incredibly creative mind and there are times when this record is so raw and it hits so hard that it's as it's as powerful as any extreme metal album that we've talked about this year do you know what I mean? It's it's really like breathtakingly like fuck. I can't believe that just happened mm. for her, mm. for example. And yet she does it in in sometimes in sweet ways for her when she does the good morning, good morning. Mm. That mm. Doris Day, I think it is, who yeah. did that. Good morning, well, good morning, good morning. You raped me in the same bed your daughter was born in. Mm. Yeah, using using that really recognizable. Oh, this is a lovely, sweet, upbeat nice tune but it's but i'm gonna i'm gonna flip it so that it's about getting raped it and like it hits you like a fucking ton of bricks but yet musically it's so sweet and so nice um it's unbelievably powerful this record i think it's one of the few times where i 
I agree with the sort of the um you know the the broadsheet music reviewers who like to have music which you know people from rock and metal backgrounds and stuff people like us I guess who feel like you know that maybe some of the more marginalized music that we don't listen that we listen to that doesn't get the respect that we think it deserves you know sometimes I look at the lists of you know critically acclaimed records and I think wow you know what the fuck do you know you're just this is this is you know chin strokey music i think i think there was a bit of that in 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 the reaction to folklore by taylor swift by certain sections of the press who were like ah well she's working with bonivere and matt uh burninger now so now we can say we can say she's good yeah that she's good yeah well no 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 she's always been really good at writing really good songs um and i wondered if the fiona apple album was going to be another one of those for me but as soon as i put it on and the sort of the tonality of her voice the the kind of the the weird shriekiness and the yet yeah, the the beautiful timber that she goes through the the way that she plays the piano it always feels like everything is on the verge of falling apart and i, I feel like that's a kind of a pretty good metaphor for her mental state throughout the album mm. but yet you come out the end of it feeling like she is the strongest that she's gone through all this stuff but she is the stronger person for yeah, it yeah. and it's again it's one of those records a bit like skeleton tree which has become the one that we always say you just have to listen to it where i think i think you just have to listen to this record mm. i think you just have to kind of sit down and grip hold of your chair and put it on and really fucking listen to it because the more and more and more that i listen to it the more and more kind of empathy and the more kind of understanding I feel for her. And I think it's, it's pitched so brilliantly. It's pitched so brilliantly between, like I say, classic old school soul and protest music and unusual avant-garde quirky twee in indie music. Like all of those things put together allows more set alternative rock, um, Debbie Harry mm -hmm. fucking it's great man it's just it's just a great a really 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 brilliant record and I do think it will be one of those records that people will be talking about it for a really really long time mm. a really long time yeah I think um, it, I think it's an astonishing record and it has some really I mean that meant that moment you mentioned on for her, for example. Just there's a quite a few moments on it where you it just stops you in your tracks and you're just like, oh my goodness. And um, I mean, in terms of yeah, being a critical darling, I guess Fiona Apple is on Metacritic. Uh, she is still number one album of the year. Um, you commercial twat, you Steve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got a score of 98 out of 100, which is pretty astonishing, really, for a brand new yeah. record. Um, and whilst um, it's an album that I admire more than love, um, it is so awesome to hear and see that an album as creative and as shocking and as brilliantly realised as this is being put on such a pedestal because I don't feel like I'm sure if I, I mean, I haven't bothered to, but I'm sure if I went through Metacritic lists for previous years, 
there'd be a, a, a number of number ones where I'd be like, God, really? <laughs> and I'm sure in 10 years time, 20 years time, 30 years time, looking back on it and seeing that that was number one, where I, I'm sure a lot of people will go, well, yeah, that makes sense. I think it's a worthy, a worthy number one, certainly uh, in that list. Um, I kind of listened to it a lot before doing this list because I was like I, I I didn't take to it as much as you did um when we initially reviewed it and I wanted to make sure that maybe I was just not in the place to you know receive it at the time and um maybe maybe it was a much better record in my estimation I kind of feel like this might be an album that doesn't fully sink in for me for a few years, maybe. And it's the kind of thing that I'm going to return to on a regular basis, because when I did go back to it, um, it didn't go up massively in my estimation. But bits that I hadn't noticed before really came out, which made me go, oh, God, that's really, really good. And I just feel like um, we've had so many albums this year. It's probably one of the ones that I should have and wanted to go back to more um but just never really got fully round to it um but in terms of like one of the most creative most interesting artists working today it's brilliant to see that that has been received so brilliantly so so yeah. well i i really love it and i think there's a lot of you know someone tweeted me today about the hillary woods album said oh you know you really love that and there's agnes obel and there's been a lot of like <clears throat> uh, and last week we spoke about um Oh my god, I've forgotten her fucking name now. Who's in your Phoebe list? Bridges. Phoebe Bridges, yeah, who's obviously, you know, um had a very, very big year. And I mean, j- just just because you said that and because I have it in front of me, interestingly, Fetch the Bolt Cutters is the highest album in your list on the Metacritic album. And Phoebe Bridges is actually at number five on the Metacritic list. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean I I really feel like it's been a it's been a good year for that but I just think that this album is like to me it's so far ahead mm. of all the others. I mean I mentioned in my you know just that my, Laura Marlin's album mm. um Song for Our Daughter that was very close to getting in but again it's when I put it up against this they really do pale in comparison or I know you shouldn't go oh, cuz Laura Marlin and Fiona Apple are quite different very very different but i think you know in terms of um you know i I suppose it's no different to me going i've put deftones above loathe for example they're not exactly the same but they're in around about the same kind of genre and um you know what one of them i would sort of feel like well there's only really room for one of them in here and if that were the case it doesn't have to be the case but if if that were the case for me, Fiona Apple is just is so far ahead of anything of its ilk. And the fact that I've I've had to kind of go, oh, I don't even know what its ilk even is, really. Well, quite, yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- that says a lot. I think mm. it's it's just, yeah, it's fucking brilliant, this record. Mm. Fetch a, that's, that's number seven. Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple. Awesome. Um, my number seven. So uh, as people who listen to our albums of the decade... Uh, podcasts last year will know dust and disquiet by caspian was my favorite album of the decade and Mm -hmm. a hell of a tough record to follow up um so in circles had a lot to live up to for me it took caspian five years to follow it 
and it marks a departure of sorts, which is probably a good thing, I think. They wisely chose to go down a different route from the dark kind of epic scale of Dust and Disquiet. Whilst it might feel more intimate, I think, than their previous works, there's still still a multi-layered symphonic quality that far surpasses what most people are doing in post-rock. These songs are still on a grand scale, but they feel much more accessible, much more personal. Um, and that's something that I think is very difficult to pull off. It's, it's, it is an epic album written on a personal scale. And Caspian albums are usually more conceptual, but this one feels more individually song-based. They usually are focused on the album as a whole as opposed to individual songs. But I think you could take these songs out of the album and they'd still have as much impact as if they were played in sequence, which feels like an unorthodox route for Caspian. But it makes for a more direct listening experience. A leaner album that may not have the depth of its predecessors, but it is probably an easier record for newcomers to embrace. Um, I love the fact that I'm still noticing things about this album, such as the way that six of the eight songs are circular in their construction. The album's called On Circles. Um, And so those six songs basically start and end with the same thing. The title itself is a reference to those song structures. Uh, The lyrics on Nostalgist, performed by Kyle Durfee of Pianos Become the Teeth, feature many circular motifs, which I hadn't noticed before. So he says, the shakers scream at winning speed, leaving me Olympic rings, or forever our perfect length figure eights of every night. It's an album which is easy to grasp, but has so much more going on under the surface for those who want to seek it out. The feeling when I get when I listen to a song like Wild Blood or Ishmael is unmatched by any other form of music. The feeling of everything being in its right place and building to an epic conclusion is just an immensely satisfying listening experience for me, which warms me to my core. I don't think there's anything more satisfying to me in music than the epic crescendo. And it's it's a difficult to think of a band who do that with as much style and aplomb as Caspian in 2020. They juxtapose light and shade masterfully. Um, Onsra is a very sweet, subtle ballad of a song unfolding gradually under layers of like burbling electronica and bell-like synths, something not a million miles away from what Radiohead might do. But then it's followed by Collapser, which is this cataclysmic, hulking monster of a song that lumbers to a suitably foundation-quaking conclusion, which, some, which is something that not a million miles away from what Cult of Luna might do. Or then you've got the aforementioned Nostalgist, which utilises those guest vocals for the first time on a Caspian record and builds and swells majestically into something sublime and spine-tingling, much like an American football song like might do. And on Circles delicately and gently moves between all these extremes at an incredibly natural pace like a living breathing entity i don't think i think following up dust and disquiet for me was an epic task in the same kind of realm as machine head following up the blackening like for me it was just massive um i what, having a follow up their third best album wow <laughs> well but you know i mean the amount of the yeah, amount yeah, yeah, yeah. of people like talking about how the hell are they gonna follow this up um 
I, I don't like On Circles as much as I like Dustin Disquiet, but I love the fact that they've gone in the direction that they have and they've gone into completely new and different directions and have become kind of more accessible while still retaining that epic, climactic kind of symphonic uh, sound that they have. And I think, again, much like Oms could be the start of something really exciting, this could be the start of the next chapter of Caspian mm. and what they do. And I think that could potentially wield amazing results. Another album, maybe two albums down the line. And I think that's really, really exciting. And I love it. I, I mean, I've I've gone back to this album. It came out oh, very early. January. On. Very early another, on. another January, I think. Mm. And it has not really been off my listening at all. Because, I mean, it's not a massive surprise considering how much I fucking adore Caspian. But... I absolutely yeah. adore it. You liked this album very much. I did. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I've not listened to it since probably about April. Okay. So I can't tell you how I feel about it today because I haven't listened to it for a really, really long time. But I do remember thinking it was really good. And I think they are they are a good, they are a very, very good band. I can understand, I can fully understand why i mean there are some bands that you've gone oh that band are really great and i'm like hmm. i sort of don't really know what i'm supposed to be getting excited about hmm. sometimes Do you know what hmm. i mean with, with some of this music but caspian aren't one of those bands i think hmm. it's obvious why you love them i don't love them to the same extent i really really respect them and i think they're very very fucking good at what they do and i like what they do as well i actually you know i would listen to them uh, I just don't listen to them that much. It's just been one of those years, Renfrey, where I've not had the sort of chance to sit down and listen to <laughs> everything that I would have liked to have listened to. There's, there's been so much stuff. I was going to say, even an album keeping your attention and you sticking with it for three months after it came out in a year like this, that even that is pretty extraordinary, I think, because, yeah, because, boy, it's been a bonkers year and there's been <laughs> a lot happening. Yeah. But. Yeah. They they've got us they've got something about them I think which really that reels you in. It's not even I was about to say it reels you in quicker than it reels you in with, than a lot of those bands reel you in. Some of those bands don't reel you in at all, mm -hmm. but they reel you. I, I feel like they reel you in quicker, and I don't mean that they get to the the point quicker. I mean they just become that you. I feel much more at home straight away with them. Yeah. With some of these bands, I'm like, okay, this song's going to be eleven minutes what's going on where are we going but with caspian i'm kind of happy to be in in that place straight away well you know some, what i mean some people who um don't you know aren't big fans of this kind of music um just want to get to the sort of conclusion straight away and they sort of don't have the patience to to go along with the build but i think caspian are so masterful with their builds that you're kind of you're captured mm, straight true. away, and I, and I, and I, yeah, yeah I, I, I totally agree with you. To 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 um, be clear, like I completely agree that this band capture you from the first few moments of their songs, and there's, you know, there are quite a few post rock bands that don't do that, definitely. But yeah. um, Caspian have a manner and a way. I don't know quite how they do it, but they they do. They undoubtedly do. Good band for sure definitely a good band all right my number six at the the risk of repeating everything i said only a couple of weeks ago steaming on in even though it's only been out a couple of weeks my number six is sleepless by palm reader now were this to have been released in who knows 
mate, I mean, we've, we've both had it a little while, so I suppose it doesn't really matter when it was released to us. But, you know, I think in the grand scheme of how many albums of the year list this is going to end up being on, it might be diminished a little bit because it came out a little bit late in the year. Yeah. And that just feels like Palm Reader's fucking luck, really, doesn't it? Because this has been incredibly well received. And it's not often that we review something with the slathering praise that both of us gave this record this is one of the best reviewed records that we've done of this year collectively like if you put me and you together as a singular entity Mm -hmm. and how much we like a record i think there's probably maybe well deftones maybe would be one Mm -hmm. there's another fairly obvious one that i'm not going to (laughs) mention right right yet um trailer dead as well you know napalm death there have been a few where we've both been like this is fucking brilliant but i'm not sure that we've gone this is fucking brilliant as much about anything maybe as we quite as we did about palm reader we went fucking bananas for it and that's why i'm not really gonna regurgitate my opinion from two weeks ago which you've probably just heard but all I will say is is that this deserves to be very high on everybody's end of year list. And if it doesn't get on here now and it takes a little while for this record to take off and it becomes a slow burn and it creeps up on people, that's fine. Let's just make sure that people fucking listen to it. Because at this point, again, without wanting to say it over and over again at this point there is no excuse there is no excuse for palm reader not to be the most well-respected heavy band in this country there is no excuse at all none of you have got an excuse right let's just make this a significant fact now let's just say that they're they're the band in this country if you like intelligent forward-thinking emotionally moving unique brilliantly made expertly produced heavy music that can be heavy and it can be melancholic and it can be beautiful it can be pretty it can be shimmering it can be crushing it can be all of those things let's just say that your favorite british band of palm reader shall we all <laughs> enter into that agreement i feel like we should because it's kind of it's kind of it's pissed me off for quite a lot of years but it's going to really but if sleepless doesn't do what it deserves to do it's going to really piss me off because they're just better again at the risk of repeating myself from two weeks ago they are better than all of their peers at this point with sleepless they're almost better than some of their non-peer american peers who aren't really their peers if you know what i mean um you know, I, I think you've they, expressed that very clearly steve <laughs> they're, you know they're what peerless. i mean yeah yeah i mean i i i they have to be now put in that category with all of those bands that we talk about at the absolute very very highest point of music they have to be in there with cave in and Glassjaw and Converge. They have to be in there with those bands now. They're not I'm not I'm not having people telling me that, oh well, you know, the fucking Berry Tomorrow album was good and blah, you know, the Bleed From Within album and oh, I actually preferred the you know the 
fucking TRC came back and it's like oh, fuck off the Palm Reed have nothing to do with those bands anymore they have transcended they have they are the along I'd say along with Black Peaks and probably employed to serve to, in, in a different way they have transcended all these bands don't tell me that Malevolence are better than Palm Reader that's an insult please don't that's ridiculous yeah. that's stupid like, I like Malevolence I've got no beef with Malevolence right fucking great live right heavy like, I'm not I I, I I promised myself I wouldn't get back into this annoyance again, but yeah, it's it's a it's a shambles the way Palm Reader have been treated by this country, by the the world, and Sleepless is comfortably comfortably the best thing that they've ever done, and they've everything they've ever done has been brilliant, and the fact that it's only at number six, because I this this could this could this could climb. If this had come out last year in 2019, this would be top top three easy, I reckon. If it come out in 2018, it'd probably been number two. Because mm. uh, those are dreams, isn't it? What a <laughs> banger that is. Nothing's beating that. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's fucking brilliant. This record, all the stuff we said in that review two weeks ago, uh, is just. I, the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm right. I I am right about this. Mm, yeah. It's the best thing they've ever done. They are better than all of these other bands. They are better than bands that I love. Mm. I love Employed to Serve. Palm Reader are better than Employed to Serve. And I and I fucking love Employed to Serve. I think they're amazing. I don't even just think they're good. I think they're amazing. And I think Palm Reader are much better than them. Mm. I hope that doesn't cause any trouble between <clears throat> the fam. Oh, it will. The fam. It will. <laughs> Uh, goodness me my neck is sore let's just say that um my number six in terms of bands making huge progressive leaps forward from their last album it's hard to think of a band who have made as big a leap in 2020 as loathe and their sophomore album, I let it in and it took everything. Um, I was somewhat surprised, Steve, that was a, that this was in your bubbling under, I have to say. Really? Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. Um, for the first few years of their existence, Loathe were a band who showed tons of promise. Their live shows are exhilarating, the forward thinking, the multimedia extravaganzas that have managed to marry the all-out chaos of a hardcore gig whilst at the same time experimenting with screens and effects to create a sense of a show. You know, usually bands do one thing or the other. They're either chaotic and wild or they have a show that you watch. But Lowe's managed to do both, which is super cool. The thing is, for a while, they didn't have all that much standout material. The Cold Sun, their first album, whilst brimming with ideas, lacked focus with only a few songs that really stood out as highlights. With I Let It In and It Took Everything, Loath have managed to still have an abundance of ideas, but focus them and hone them to the point where the highlights on this album are not only many, but varied. You've got New Faces in the Dark, Is It Really You, Gord, Red Room, Screaming, Two-Way Mirror, Heavy as the Head That Falls with the Weight of a Thousand Words. All of these are highlights without really sounding alike. It feels like Loathe now have the soundtrack that their live show deserves. And 
There's been a running gag throughout this year with this album, which I feel like has put it down in a lot of people's estimations. This gag that this album sounds like Deftones, much in the same way that um, Vane had it with Aerosone last year or the year before. And they Mm. were discounted by a lot of people just going, oh, it just sounds like the debut Slipknot record. Look, there's an undeniable influence, but if people dismiss Loathe as a mere Deftones clone, they are really missing out. It, that is a very simplistic way to look at this band. I think it's a shame that such a basic, oversimplified descriptor has been put on a band that are extremely versatile, especially within their field. I personally can't recall a single Deftones album that is as versatile as this album. Certainly not one that manages to go to as many different places or feature as many seemingly disparate ideas as this does. Um, You've got ambient electronics, industrial noise and squalor, driving alternative rock, shoegaze, new metal, elements of emo. There's even large dollops of metalcore, which is one of my least favourite genres in the world. But there is so much going on throughout this record that it never has time to settle into a formula or something that you would be able to second guess. There's a huge push and pull between the ambient textures and the brutally nihilistic heavy passages, and they can flip between sounding like Meshuggah one moment and slow dive the next with consummate ease. Absolutely nothing feels off limits, and the contrasts on this album are what make it so spectacular. If the standard between this album and the next goes up as dramatically as the standard between the Cold Son and I let it let it in and took everything, we will be talking about a world-class band, something truly special. And I believe that Loathe have the youthful vigour, the ideas and the drive to potentially pull that off. Um, you were very, very, very positive about this record. Um, mm. I think that's, you know, why I was sort of surprised that it was in your bubbling unders. Um, what has been your... It's just been, rec- a, just been a great year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You still think this is a great record, though? Yeah, I think this is a wicked record. I think this is a really good record. I mean, it, it, it did get into my top 40. Yeah. Um, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, there was never any chance of it getting in the top 20. When it got to kind of probably like september time i was like i can't really see this getting in the top 20 but i think it's a really fucking good record really good i heard a slight murmuring from you when you said i don't think um any album uh, i don't think there's an album as diverse as this in the deftones back catalog feelings on that yeah i think that's uh, i mean all of the things that you mentioned are all things that deftones have done Mm. I, Um, i i agree i just don't think they've done them to the same extent so let's take White Pony, for example. I think you've got the... That would the, be the obvious. Yeah, the heaviest, for, yeah. hardest moments, probably Elite. And then you've got mm-hmm. Teenager, which is all ambient and chilled and stuff. But then I think on the Loathe record, you've got Red Room, which I, I think does go harder than Elite yeah. or, or heavier. It's 20 years before. down the line hard, harder, though, would, would, would be my kind of counter to that, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Uh, yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. The heavy bits are heavier and the melodic bits. I don't know which, if the quiet which, bits are quieter. I don't know. There's some really, really ambient stuff at the beginning of like, is it really you or something like that? I mean, uh, you know, don't don't get me wrong. That's not me going and therefore Loathe are a better band than Deftones. I'm just saying that the palette that they um, draw from is re- is 
debatably broader than Deftones, who have a really broad palette. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was very telling when we had um, Eric and Kadeem on the show and the stuff that they were talking about yeah. and the things that they were into. And they've got a really vast, wide uh, array of stuff that those two guys like. And I think yeah. what's good about this album in particular is that you can definitely hear all of those things, little elements of those things creeping in. And they do kind of rise up out of the sort of stew occasionally and then sink back down again and that's really cool i've got this album on vinyl and i've got to say i don't really um i don't really have a lot of time for modern metal on vinyl i don't want to listen to bring me the horizon on vinyl for example yeah right but this album does that's, sound really fucking great on vinyl great on vinyl. yeah it is a it's a it's a really really bloody bloody good album uh yeah i mean I, I think it's a i think it's a wicked record i think this is a fucking wicked record and they were one of the last bands i saw live as well i think i saw them um around about kind of mid-february like just after the album came out yeah. and they were fucking fantastic I'm, and... I'm really gutted that 2020 has robbed me of the opportunity to see this band live because that's what mm. i really want to see and actually that might be a good time to say i wonder if this um if all of these lists would have been jiggery poked around a little bit if we had some seen some of this material live yeah potentially yeah that's true maybe maybe that. it would have done yeah but mm. uh, yeah, who knows? it was a great album it's just the, the sheer weight of you know just the the amount of stuff the amount of stuff that's come out that i feel is i still think loathe can get better I, oh i agree and i think that's maybe one of the like you're looking at it going well you know the first album was and there's been this massive jump and while i agree with you i think because the first album was was pretty kind of pretty forgettable really like fairly forgettable um and then they did this massive jump but i still think that there's because they started from a place of quite forgettableness i think that massive jump wasn't a jump to a place where you know when i look at my top 10 i think like there's all of these albums are basically perfect mm. <laughs> do you know what i mean i'm not quite sure that the that uh i let in it took everything is perfect i think it's fucking great but i'm not sure that it's like totally fucking bulletproof and that would be my only um, and that's not you know it's not an insult no, no, it's no. still a fucking great record it's just that this year has been fucking mental which is thank god have we had a, we had a pound for every time we said that <laughs> in this you, podcast can you think of any records which have made more of a leap between the current record and the one before that have come out this year. Uh, Ride, Ride the lightning well, doesn't count. <laughs> I was going to say like "We Are Chaos" by Marilyn Manson would be one that uh, I think is a joke. But then, then that's an established artist. Yeah, so I suppose it doesn't really count, does it? No, probably not. Um, no, not really. No, not off the top of my head. So thanks for. <laughs> I'm just trying to prove my point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. Trying to justify um, his position. Yeah, no. I, it's a, it's a very very good point and i can't argue against it at the moment so yes here we go then top five is it top fucking five top five top five um renfrey now i didn't uh, if you if you'd have said to me <laughs> this band with an absolutely ridiculous name i like trains and you were like oh there's this band called I like and that's the first time i've been oh, God, imagine being called i like trains what a what a ridiculous name and i think the band themselves have acknowledged that it's a ridiculous name and so you're starting from a place where i'm like oh my <laughs> god what the fuck are we gonna have to review and yet compromat but i'm like trains is my number five now it was a bit of a shock to me because i knew nothing about this band when we came to review it and i was 
stunned at how much I love this record. I love this record. You spoke about Bambara last week and I, Bambara again, you know, a bit like the kind of Fiona Apple, Laura Marlin thing. If I had to have one in, this was the one that was going in of that kind of post-punky ilk. And yeah. again, it doesn't have to just be one, but. Just just to interject there, uh, for me, I felt like own, own, either only Bambara or I Like Trains could make it in. So yeah, mm. and I went for Bambara, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is fair. It's got that yeah. Nick Cavey driving slacker thing, whereas I Like Trains is similar, but with a really with a very, very different vibe. Far more British, for sure. Um, here's something I want to talk about, which I didn't talk about when we reviewed it because I was, well, it didn't occur to me at the time. Now, in a bit, I think probably you and I at some point will talk about music which has been born out of the the year that we've had the frustrate the kind of the the racial tensions the political divisions the the fiona apple album which talks about the way that women are treated there are a, a whole bunch of engaging personal protest politically minded socio-political personal political ethically um inspired music albums and, and bands that have come along over the last few years and let's be honest they they you know they tend to be from a female perspective as i've been bullied on the metal hammer <laughs> page for talking about just for pointing that out uh how much i i i'm interested in that or by you know black eyes and it makes you think the the classic white male what what do they have to say about this you know what what relevance can we still have important interesting viewpoints to be made and how can we make them up against such new and exciting and personal and vibrant things like how do we do that and in the case of something like fiona apple in the case of linger ignota in the case of backwash as well for example uh in the case of some of the other things that I'm going to be talking about in a, in, in a little bit, they address in the most scabrous, angry, furious, rising up. Like we talked about the the way that Zelenada is scary. It's scary to listen to that because Manuel, you can feel the resentment and the pain and the the years of like feeling a, th- th- that oppression pushing back against that oppression such a powerful thing such an incredibly powerful thing i like trains they can't do that in the same way but yet compromat is as powerful a political statement in a completely different way this is i think how bands should approach of of the ilk of our, this is how the the white indie man the white rock man should approach these things Go for the system. Do it with sarcasm. Be arch. Take it down by its own ridiculousness. Point out all of those things. This record is is fucking hilarious for a mm. start. It's funny. It's actually, and I don't mean it's hilarious like it's wacky. I don't mean it's hilarious like it's trying to take the piss out of stuff. It's funny because you recognise every petty, pathetic, sad thing 
that politicians say, you can hear it and you go, oh, I know exactly what it is that you're getting at. I know exactly what you're mocking. I know exactly what you're trying to say. And it is done in such... Per- it's, it's perfectly arch, snobby British. It's like this satirical recreation of the absolute most pompous, ugliest, stupidest things that British the British political system currently is in 2020 and it's fucking amazing it's fucking amazing lyrically it's 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 so sharp it's so sharp and because it's not a primal whale in the same way as Zelenada or Lingering Note or Backwashes it can take that approach it can sit back and go I can see objectively as you like to say Renfrey why these things are bad here is our our, our demolition of it in a very controlled way mm. and and i love listening i love that perspective they they brought an incredibly unique brilliant like perspective to music which i think you don't really hear so much anymore you hear kind of angry protest songs but this is this is really really this is just a really different flavor and i'm really glad that they've they've done it in that kind of 80s joy division-y um i mean i think i i think i described them as um joy division with uh with um was it, it wasn't kenneth williams was it that, that sounds too much oscar wilde it was oscar yeah, wilde yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. it was like wildean wit it's kind of morrissey it's all of that i mean i know morrissey's not really the guy to be talking to when you're talking about like having good political opinions but you know like the 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 sort of the arch ludicrous pompous you know british stereotype over the top of these throbbing bass lines these wicked synths these kind of blondie disco 70s post-punk beats it's just fucking it's so great it's such a beautiful amalgam of all of these cool things mm. You know, and it's it's it doesn't sound like any other record. Mm. You know, it's essentially an indie rock record. But much like you were saying about Bambara last week, where you go, I've just you don't quite hear those bands using these things in that way to do a kind of Nick Cave spaghetti western inspired yeah, by quite. you know by magazine or something. You don't really get a kind of Pet Shop Boys meets Pill but fronted by boris johnson do you know what i mean you don't you don't you don't get that and yet that's what i like trains have done yeah it's fucking brilliantly catchy this record i mean dig in is a is amazing desire is a mess so catchy and you get to like a man of conviction which is six uh, nearly six five minutes 44 seconds long and the truth i mean you can dance to the truth but it's also hilarious and it's really it's really cutting satire as well Mm. what a fucking brilliant record yeah what a fucking brilliant record i think there's been a real um push for this kind of post-punk sort of sound recently and it's and it's really gone through into the mainstream as well if you look at bands like Mm. idols idols fontaine's dc um and yet you know I i don't think either of those records match the brilliance of an album like this or the bambara record um and yeah it's in terms of like searing political commentary i mean we have 
um, defended idols um, for their kind of basic bitch approach. Um, but yeah, I do think that this is a stronger political statement, even if it won't be as won't be heard by as many people, unfortunately. But I think I like trains managed to change with every record like their other records don't really sound like this i was really i was aware of the band beforehand and i was really surprised when i heard this it wasn't what i was expecting at all and actually when i first heard it i really didn't like it as a result because it was not what i was expecting but as time went on i realized shit me this is an incredible record has some brilliant brilliant moments on it and yeah as you say you can dance to it you know you really can dance to it Mm -hmm. um like very much yeah, actually so. can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fucking excellent record. Uh there you go. That's my number five. I like trains. Compromat. Uh okay, so for my number five, you might hear a little bit of an echo. Uh, because my number five is the glorious sophomore album from Gold Key Panic Machine. Uh Gold Key released a humdinger of an album in 2017 with Hello Phantom, one that flew under the radar somewhat. Um, perhaps because Gold Key aren't the easiest of bands to put into a neat categorization box, I think. With Panic Machine, um, they've released a follow-up with such world-class songs. I think at this point it makes it almost impossible to ignore them. Um, It's bands like Gold Key that I get really excited about pushing on Riot Act because... For some reason, and you've sort of already said this, but great melodic alternative rock bands tend to fall between the cracks when it comes to press coverage. There's so much emphasis placed on what the story of a band is. Do they have an angle that the simple act of promoting great new music, which surely is the entire point of our job, sometimes gets lost. And with Golki, there isn't a story, really, bar the fact that they are a fucking great band who are doing something that not many other people are doing right now. Songs like Sweet Darkness, Trick of the Light and The Best of Luck are, are the fucking anthems. And similar to what you said, if these songs were on heavy rotation in the days of music television, they would stand out a mile from a million identikit bands writing to stale formulas. Steve Sears is the real star of Gold Key, I think. His voice soars and swoops around these vocal lines that become instant earworms. I found myself getting several melodies from this record seared into my brain. Um, The sort of melodies that I would idly hum whilst doing the dishes or doing my washing. And I'd be like, where's that melody from? I'd say at least 50% of the time in 2020 the answer would be, it's from that Gold Key record. Try singing the chorus <laughs> to strain whilst changing your bedding, and I assure you it will make the menial task seem suitably epic and far more rewarding. Um, and I think Steve Sears' work as a producer has clearly helped Gold Key to develop a sound that is delicately layered with multiple effects and accoutrements, which makes the album just sound positively huge. I mean, I, I these are anthems. And when you're listening to the record, the list of bands that Panic Machine evokes whilst listening to it is immense and diverse in extremists. I just listened to it the other day and wrote down Pink Floyd, Thrice, Dillinger Escape Plan, Rocket from the Crypt, Muse, The Frames, Devon Townsend Project, Deftones, Baroness, 
Queens of the Stone Age. I mean, not only are the influences wild and diverse, but they're all of extremely high caliber. You know, they also they don't just merely evoke those bands. They they they, they never really rip off a sound more than they do a mood. Um, although that said, there is a riff on Fly Into the Sun that I can't hear without thinking of the James Bond theme. Um, but this <laughs> this from a oh, group, yeah. <laughs> this from a group of musicians that are members or former members of Gallows, Sixth, Nervous, and Spycatcher, and you can kind of see you can kind of see that this band has been formed from those bands, but also really not. There's not all that much gallows in there there's a little bit of sixth in there there's a little bit of nervous in there i think spycatcher steve sears fronted spycatcher so maybe there's a bit more of that in there but you know this album has stayed with me all year in a reason in a year where sometimes brilliant records i mean fiona apple for example have kind of come and gone for me but this album has stayed with me all year and i see no reason whatsoever why i won't be listening to it relentlessly for years to come it's just mm. a brilliant, brilliant record. And we need a lot more of that kind of thing as well. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Fucking great band and a great record. I've said everything I need to say about it, really. It's awesome. And you're right. Somebody needs to just go, fuck it. Let's just promote this good music Yeah. again. Yeah. Don't know how or when that's going to happen or if that's going to happen, but that is really what should happen. Anyway, my number four. Um... Here we go then. Run the jewels. Run the jewels four. Or RTJ four, because I know we've got in trouble for mispronouncing <laughs> things of theirs before, which means we can't like it. Uh, <laughs> this came out, as you will probably remember, um, a few days after George Floyd um, and the intervening protests and riots that happened uh and i wondered if hearing this kind of a day or so when it felt like the world was literally burning to the ground in front of us i wondered if a lot of the power that i felt from that record would diminish as you know that 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 kind of adrenaline rush of that stuff faded away but no, not at all. This record is still as powerful and as moving and as just a perfect encapsulation and articulation of what it's like to be that person in that situation throughout all of these years that you will ever hear. It's a brilliant brilliant record this i am obviously not alone in thinking this this is another record which has been you know a critical smash i don't feel like i know anyone who's heard it who doesn't think it's amazing i feel like everybody is going mad for this record and you know i gotta be honest and i think we said it in the review i had seen a bit of run the jewels at uh when this would bring me the horizon last year last summer so when this record came along i'd seen them live for sort of 10 minutes uh, in between you know nothing and architects coming on when they supported bring me the, when they supported bring me the horizon at, um not high park at victoria park 
and I had heard a couple of Run the Jewel songs, but I didn't really have any well i didn't have any relationship with them i didn't listen to their albums i'd never sat down and listened to one of their records before i'd sat down and listened to a few of their songs i'd heard bits and bobs of theirs just from you know being around people who might listen to them or whatever but i you know what did i know about run the jewels pretty much fuck all and yet for whatever reason i just felt like i wasn't actually you know particularly interested in them I don't know why uh, I just wasn't but then hearing this I quickly understood you know that this is an incredibly special band and um, I'm glad as well to hear that by most by people who are far more educated in their career than I that this is their best record I mean I I'd be really pissed off if I was been, there'd been something better than this mm. that I'd been ignoring for God knows how long. This record's fucking outrageously brilliant. I mean, any time you get to hear Zach Delarosha is a treat. But hearing Zach Delarosha coming in with "Look at all these slave owners," was it on your dollar? Like that is like a proper fucking like spine tingler of a moment that. There are so many parts of this record. There are so many things on this record. I think we said it. We don't. We, we had it about a day when we when yeah. we reviewed it. Yeah. You know, yeah. we hadn't really had any time at all. We got it sent. I was like, we should probably do this run of Jules album. It got sent to us, and then they they released it early that day anyway. But starting with Yanking the Brave Ep Four, um, I was like, oh, you know, it's gonna be a kind of boisterous fun hip-hop album which is sort of what i expected it to be that's what i thought run the jewels were um and i was like that's cool that's fine that's good those are good songs ooh la la out of sight wicked holy calamity fuck good songs just like cool songs but they wouldn't be number four on my albums of the year if it wasn't for when you get to the ground below i mean pulling the pin with josh homie coming in and i have to say i didn't even i i in the review i didn't notice that it was gang of four uh the ground below ether yeah oh yeah it's ether um and i mean mavis staples on on that who again someone i'm not familiar with mavis staples but her performance on pulling the pin over that guitar riff it's just fucking astonishing like the amount of heartache the amount of like it just drips with with genuine pain like the sort of the sound of soul music like i've listened to, I, I this year i've listened to to quite a lot of quite a lot of um you know old soul music i'd never listened to sam cook before and i started listening i've been listening to sam cook a lot i'm like this music is fucking brilliant it's so brilliant and you can see and sometimes i i listen to more modern r&b and hip-hop and i go i don't really see the line i don't see the lineage like i don't know how that like i I feel like they they're not really aware or they don't you know what i mean i just Mm. do they care about that and that's something that i've always struggled with a bit but then you listen to run the jewels and you're like no they they do they're getting mavis staples in they're getting her to do that vocal performance and it just it just really like it, it it hits so fucking hard this this album not just musically i think musically there's brilliant stuff on it the last song a few words from the firing squad you know might be the best song of the year 
it's incredible mm. it's absolutely incredible you know hearing killer mike uh talking about his you know the the sacrifices his parents had to make the fears that he has for saying the things that he said and the, the way that he lived his life talking about you know the people saying they need a new malcolm x and new martin luther king but that he needs to be a husband more than that like shit that i never have to and don't think about mm. but you're confronted with it on this record um yeah i think it's it's amazing this record and it deserves all of the critical mass that it has got it's come out at the right time it came out, it couldn't have come out at a more perfect time it was the perfect record at the perfect time and I'm really, really glad that it's done as well as it's done and that people are so taken by it. And it's, you know, it's turned me into a, a really massive fan of Run The Jewels, a band who I just were like, oh, yeah, Run The Jewels. Yeah, I hear that, you know, they're kind of somebody who, you know, people always talk about them playing download or whatever. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, fair enough. But now, like, God, if they play download, I would be down the front straight they'd be the most exciting thing you could possibly put on it download run the jewels one of fucking amazing yeah definitely yeah. i mean this record has done fucking loads for me personally in terms of um me expanding out into hip-hop i'd say this um clipping and well beastie boys funnily enough because of the classic albums have been certainly the three records from that world that i've just listened to the most um this year um and i think when we look back on 2020 it will be in the conversation in terms of the albums that are really truly remembered as being something special from this year i think that's partly timing but at the same time it's also as you astutely pointed out on the review this shit has been happening for years so the timing is only really one part of it um, I think the timing has helped to cement it, but it really is just the power of the record itself and the things that are being said and the way it's being said. And Killer Mike is an absolute hero to me now, you know. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, it's an astonishing, astonishing record. Maybe in a few years' time, when I'm embracing hip hop even more fully, maybe I'll look back and go, yeah, well, that should have been in there uh but who knows um but yeah this is an absolutely phenomenal record yeah mm. totally agreed. yeah shout out to killer mike and jamie maline mm. uh, i think that's, i think so you say it anyway run the jewels four is uh my number four mm. um my number four you've already heard this from steve but annual nurse by the trail of dead 10 the godless void and other stories bit of a mouthful we were very enthusiastic about this new trail of dead out uh, album when we reviewed it yeah back in january and it stayed with me that whole time um i've decided that this album is in my top three personal trail of dead records personally is it mm, alongside Good. worlds apart and tale of the dead thanks for asking um 10 the godless void and other stories probably evokes those two records the most from their back catalogue kind of occupies a space between the meteor psychedelic end of the beatles spectrum whilst writing that large on a grand expansive prog opus scale um trail of dead have always been a vital and perennially underappreciated band and to be honest with you i, I can sort of see why 
Um, they don't fit into any easy categorization. Their back catalogue can seem incredibly daunting to new listeners as well. Not many bands make an album that could so easily provide an excellent starting point for their career as a whole on their 10th record, as Trail of Dead have done with this album. It almost acts like a sort of tantalising best of. It's a glimpse into the vivid worlds and sounds that they've created over 25 years that incorporates all the elements that make Trail of Dead such a special band. Boiled down to its simplest elements, Trail of Dead write Beatles-esque simple melodies that are backed by Pink Floyd experimentation and extravagance. But that makes it all sound so simple. And Trail of Dead add a myriad of complementary flavours and textures, particularly, I think, Middle Eastern sort of mysticism and space rock that create a vivid and identifiable tapestry. The breadth of Trail of Dead is multicoloured and kaleidoscopic. Personal feelings of loss and moving on are entwined in the record with vocalist Conrad Keeley saying the album details the sadness of moving away from a place that I loved, um, having been forced to move back to Austin, Texas after spending five years in Cambodia. I can understand why people would feel that an album titled X, 10, The Godless Void and Other Stories might not seem like a distinctly personal record, but this instilled sense of being forced to move on from a place that you wish to cling on to makes the album feel personal and intimate amid all the musical histrionics, which I think is a really difficult and fine balance to achieve and pull off. I don't think Trail of Dead do manage that on every album they make, but they've managed it with a plum on this record. It explores a theme that is very difficult to come to terms with for any long-serving band. How do you find your purpose and your passion when your heart simply isn't in it anymore? That's a scary thing to have to admit for any artist, let alone explore it over the course of a whole album. But Keeley nails it, that feeling, in the line... I can't remember what song this is from, but he says think those words went something like this and I'm sure the chords went something like this I don't know if I can sing them like I did before or if I can feel them anymore I mean it's good yeah that's a, that's a really really sad thing to have to kind of accept and acknowledge there's a desperately it, I think it adds to the, the the sense of dislocation from a settled life in Cambodia to be forced to move back to a country that has been torn apart in the intervening years just adds to the sense of alienation and disconnection that this record talks about. I've had this album, I'd had it for about a month when we reviewed it and I predicted then that I'd be listening to it for several years. Uh, considering it's one of the few records that has remained a constant soundtrack to my 2020, it seems likely that prediction will bear fruit. For me, it being a top three Trail of Dead record, a band that you and I both adore, even even a mm. weird as fuck interview couldn't um, destroy our love. <laughs> no. <for that> band, <laughs> which I probably shouldn't have mentioned. But, you know, like, <laughs> it hasn't affected it at all. I just think they're an absolutely astonishing, unique amalgam of some amazing things. Beatles mixed with Pink Floyd... And that's yeah. that's only scraping the surface of what Trail of Dead. Well, that's no punk in that at all. No, and they're quite. basically a fucking garage rock punk rock band. Absolutely, or were yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, what a fucking great band. Love them. I'm glad to see that's. I, I wondered if that might have been forgotten about by you, but I'm glad that it hasn't nah. been. I echo all of that. All right, my number three. To give you an idea of 
how again how good this year's been my number three was last year's number one clipping visions of bodies being burnt now i really thought when visions of bodies being burnt came out and i first heard it i was like oh harsh (laughs) this is a this is a harsh record very very harsh but a couple more listens in because there existed an addiction to blood as i have already said last year uh, it was just such a fucking shotgun blast of brilliance that i needed I, i mean i still listen to that record i love it it's fucking awesome i think clipping are one of if not the best band in the world operating right now there's what there's a couple of people who are you know up for that that award but i think they're definitely in the the highest shouts if you're talking about who are currently the best operating artists on planet earth clipping have to be for me in in that conversation it gets above run the jewels for a couple of reasons. I think Run the Jewels is a far more um, emotionally impactful record. Whereas Visions of Bodies Being Burnt is a brutal, brutal listen. Um, it's not surprising to me to learn after the fact, because obviously we got this record just before it came out. Um, we should say as well on our review, we said drove interlude was like five minutes long it's not that was just the version that we got sent um sorry about that everyone but um yes visions of bodies being burnt like i i i i found out later was kind of concocted around the same time as there existed an addiction to blood so thematically musically it is pretty similar but i do think visions of bodies being burnt is is the harsher record it's way harsher i think it's listening to it more and more as the last couple of months have gone on you know that that thing i said in the review where you know the um the hooks start to reveal themselves much later than they did do with their existing addiction to blood that's definitely true for me now i mean i think a song like um say the name which actually has got a pretty big hook on it anyway um eating alive check the lock i mean check the lock is massive check the lock is fucking brilliant like it's got such a funky bass line but it's just buried beneath white noise and that is clipping do you know what i mean like they bury brilliant brilliant catchy excellent you know soulful bass lines and rhythms and vocal hooks they bury them underneath the harshest sounding white noise possible and the only thing that brings all those stuff all those things up to the top is again i'm going to say it david diggs his performance on this album is is staggering absolutely staggering it might be it might be the best vocal performance of the year it's fucking the guy is incredible he's a force of nature and all of those comparisons i made to him i you know i think it even more now you know when i compared him to to people like dennis from refused when i compared him to you know daryl from Glassjaw, you know when i compared him to mike Patton and people like, like he's got the same you know when you, you you hear someone's voice and you go 
how mm. how are you doing that how did that come to you it's amazing um this is a far harsher record than the record that was my number one last year and it's only really dropped down probably because of that i still think there existed an addiction to blood because it was the first time i'd heard it it was super exciting and i think it is just just by the slimmest of margins a slightly more cohesive record overall but uh, visions of bodies there is a uh, there is an addiction there exists yeah right yeah i think it is a slightly more cohesive record slightly and i do want to to really hammer home the word slightly because there is you know there is very little between the two of them mm. um and to release in 12 months near enough two hours worth of material i mean you chuck in the the ep that they did in the middle of the year they that two track in a, i mean fucking hell then even more so you have a band who I, I just think clipping are one of the most unique, the most creative, the most unpredictable, the most fascinating. And uh, yeah, they're just one of the best bands on the planet right now. Yeah. It's really difficult to think of two records that have essentially come out of the same session that are as strong as each other. Nine times out of 10. The, f the first one that comes along is the better of the two. And the second one comes along and it's like, well, this is nice. But, you know, you can see that there's a lot of filler material on it. I don't think there's any filler on this record. There's there's songs that I might have shortened or, or changed around or anything like that. But I don't think any of it is filler. And I think in terms of quality, yeah, it's right up there with There Existed An Addiction to Blood. Like I said, um, this album has been... I, a clipping probably opened my ears to actually properly... Um, disseminating hip-hop and uh realizing that there's so more much more than could be achieved in it than i'd ever imagined um and this is a phenomenal record it's absolutely brilliant not surprised at all to see it's in your top three um yeah what an absolute masterpiece of a record and to to, mm. to come out so soon and yeah i forgot about the fucking ep which was incredible only two songs but yeah. amazing EP. amazing yeah. response to the george floyd um shootings absolutely phenomenal phenomenal yeah. acts i'd With also agree that donald they... trump is a white supremacist full stop <coughs> all that shit man when they drop <coughs> that it's like fuck they're so cool they're just so fucking cool i would also agree that they probably are one of the most creative and exciting bands doing anything today in any genre like they're fucking amazing i think so yeah mm. absolutely so there you go uh visions of bodies being burnt by clipping that is my number three little bit of a drop down for them but well we'll, we'll talk about that in minor, a second i'm sure minor to say the least. <laughs> yeah um my number three is sleepless by palm reader uh i've had this Good. record a fair amount more time than you which might um be the reason for it being much higher who knows um, it's really awesome to see a band you've seen so much potential in for years not just reach the heights you imagined they would but surpass them as well i knew palm reader had more in them than what they sh were showing us with bad weather and beside the ones we love even both brilliant records of their type as great as they are they don't stray miles outside of the boundaries laid down by modern aggressive hardcore 
Um, there were hints every now and then that they wanted to expand out into more kind of multi-layered sound uh, tapestries, passages, but there always seemed to be a slight reticence to go there fully and embrace them fully. Braille marked a transition point for Palm Reader and Sleepness is just the stunning conclusion of that experiment writ large in 10 huge tunes that sound like they were crafted to be filling out theatres. Um, as I painstakingly pointed out in our review a couple of weeks ago, bands don't reach this level of intuitive musicianship. Um, they don't give each other the space for other members to shine. They don't have that psychic connection that can only be found by playing hundreds of shows together, some joyous, others near soul-destroying overnight you don't get bands doing this kind of thing on their first record um the word i kept using a lot in that review was craft the craft of how these songs have been put together is not the kind of thing or certainly is very rarely the kind of thing you get from a band on their debut album and palm reader have kept pushing and sacrificed a lot to get here but listening to an album as fully formed as sleepless I can't help but feel that the struggles, the slings and arrows must have been worth it. It must have been because this is an absolutely incredible piece of work. It's taken Palm Reader 10 years to get here. But some bands never manage to stick it out long enough to create a career defining bodies of songs at all. This is the sound of righteous, youthful fury owned into something singular and beautiful. It's funny because... As there is with all Palm Reader releases, there was a lot of doubt, a lot of fear about jumping feet first into territories that would traditionally have seen them shunned. You know, melodic vocals, shimmering post-rock guitars, grandly crafted song structures. Hardcore is not meant to go to these places, so we are told. It is considered keys, key pianos, organs and stuff. The essential keys as well. It's considered too risky territory to slather your records with those warm bell-like 70s synths and keys. And yet Palm Reader add them not as a mere accoutrement, but an integral part of the songwriting. They've proved themselves a band that are just completely foolhardy to pigeonhole. Like calling Palm Reader a hardcore band now just doesn't really cut the mustard, I don't think. When these imaginary boundaries of the genre are put in place, it's a scary thing attempting to break them as a band. And I hope I'm not betraying his trust here too much, but I fielded a fair few calls from Andy over the course of the writing this record and it sounded like he was pulling teeth. I mean, it, it it had a monstrously difficult birth, this album, to say the least, I think. He was questioning absolutely everything. Like, oh man, we've got so many keyboards on this thing. I'm not sure if people are going to be ready for all the keys and all this kind of stuff. And when you consider how integral those aspects are to this record, it doesn't compute that you would lay those parts down and go, yeah, I'm not too sure about this, you know? Fucking idiots. Idiots, Palm Reader. Anyway, everything <laughs> everything on Sleepless is... It, it drips with nuance and discipline rather than resorting to the usual tired cliches of using volume for volume's sake. And as a result, it's a beautifully dynamic record. It's, it's strongest when Palm Reader are diving into areas they've not 
explored before. I think I think songs like False Thirst or A Bird and Its Feather um, are just the real cornerstones of this record. Um, it's just a beautiful, distinct, idiosyncratic, be- beautiful, again, crafted, heavy album that it would be criminal to ignore. And you've, you've said it already, mm. but like this band cannot, can no longer be ignored and they should no longer be ignored. And this is an incredible, incredible statement from them. And the fact that they just keep getting better and better and better. I don't think anyone can argue that every album is better than the previous one. And those are bands that we should be shouting about. Those are bands, bands who can craft something and actually improve with age those are the bands that we should be really treasuring yeah i agree i agree so everything we said two weeks ago basically (laughs) again get it get it for your thick heads world (laughs) (laughs) all right let's get to my number two now i would say this is probably the biggest shock we always have one thing we go oh i didn't see that coming and I think, well, for me personally, uh, this has been 2020's biggest creep up. And boy, has it crept up. I mean, I thought a few weeks ago, clipping and my number one were going to be the top two, undoubtedly. And then I had stuff like Run the Jewels and I knew Palm Reader was coming. And, you know, I'd been going on all year about how great that Fiona Apple album was. And even, you know, at the start of the year, trailer dead i was like well fucking hell it's gonna take something to beat trailer dead like whoa. and yet the stealthful way that prison by jjl mm. has climbed up and up and up and up my list has been probably the most surprising thing about 2020 because i didn't again i had no idea who jjl was I was kind of vaguely familiar with Evan Peterson's other work Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, But you brought this in and I thought, oh, here we go. It's going to be another kind of post-rocky or singer-songwriter-y thing. I love that that you say you brought this in and then here we go. (laughs) No, no, no. I I just thought that's what i'm i looked at it oh this is on sergeant house yeah solo artist uh with a back catalogue of this that i i reckon it will probably sound like this mm-hmm. so i expected some kind of you know quite um it's a sort of acousticy things what mm-hmm. i thought i was going to get or maybe something a bit like avant-garde post-rocky and weirdly although it isn't that it is kind of both of that. It's kind of both of those things. Prison is a record which I think I said in our review, for me, brilliantly straddles a line between really scabrous, difficult, avant-garde, underground punk rock and the post-punk of Nick Cave in his earlier work. Um David Bowie in his sort of eighties period, or maybe even his Berlin period. I mean, the fact that the river spree talks about Berlin, thinking about David, thinking about Iggy, you know, this is a 
record which wears its influences pretty heavily on its on its sleeve um and the type of things that i would reference alongside this record skeleton tree i think is a similar sort of record black star by david bowie i think is a similar sort of record and yet um you won't get what you want by daughters is also a record mm. that i referenced alongside this post pop depression by iggy pop and josh homie when that album came out there's a similar sort of feel to to that as well and yet it doesn't really sit in either of those two camps it's not a kind of retro rock post-punk album from a an elder statesman of the game and it's not a bristling bustling hate-filled new noise rock record from some young upstarts or some kind of underground cult band but yet it's kind of both of these things mm. it's scott kelly and steve von till and lou reed uh i've never really heard anyone a try and do that and b get the balance so perfect as the way that he gets it on here there so, i mean i mentioned the river spree which rolls along on this very very minimalist synth line talking about berlin talking about david bowie and iggy pop talking about lou reed talking about him traveling around this city and then just this noise and it's it's really kind of it's really kind of cool and ambient and it has the same sort of vibe to something like bambara except without the excitement and the sort of forward momentum and then it just turns into noise you know this big crushing cracks of throbs of broken electronic beats it's unbelievable it's it's so like what the fuck is going on this is mad a song like i need you is built basically on one little piano riff and and the sound like a like an oncoming train of synth coming towards you and and evan in that song sounds desperate to talk to you quickly because this thing's coming towards you but unwilling to deviate from the speed in which he's going to talk to you in it and it just makes for just a, it's a it's a chilling record it's a beautiful terrifying dark shiny chilling bright record it is a, a whole conundrum a whole bunch of stuff that shouldn't work together that has managed to position itself right in the middle of two incredibly different and very very powerful styles when i talk about skeleton tree and black star those records critically acclaimed brilliant amazing records you know like all time that will be like all-time classics from two all-time great artists of course people are going to deviate towards them daughters you won't get what you want which would be the other kind of obvious comparative point to this record i think is a record which you know that was in my top 20 in 2018 it was way too low way 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 too low like now now i realize 
how much better that record is. Yeah. Than, it, that, that, that has gone on to be, I think, a legitimate kind of modern classic record. It wasn't in mine and it should have been in mine. Yeah. 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 And I'm not going to make the same mistake again because I honestly think that this record is can can stand shoulder to shoulder with those records wow it's fucking brilliant this record it's brilliant uh and and it it it, we got it in the summer so when did we get it maybe like i want to say like the start of august yeah august the 7th it came out right so we would have reviewed it three four months ago and when i first heard it i was like "Mm, this is cool and I listened to it again because I was like, I should probably say more than just this is cool. So obviously <laughs> you want to do it a few times. <laughs> and the more I listened to it, the more I was like, this is really good. And when we came to review it, I was like, oh man, this is really good. But there's a lot of albums this year that I've said, oh, that was really good. But I haven't gone back to them every single week. Mm. I have listened to this album every single week since we reviewed it. Mm. Every week. And it gets better. I listened to it for the last time was today that I listened to it. And I was like, yeah. I was still kind of deciding, like, are you really going to put this at number two? Because there's some amazing shit. There's some shit that has been, like, massively critically acclaimed. And you're going to go with this for two. You're definitely sure about this? And I was like, yeah, I really am. Above Clipping, above Run the Jewels, Mm. above Palm Reader, above Fiona Apple, above, like, you know, some shit that is, I think is just phenomenal. Great, great albums. Yeah, man, this is this is an astonishing record. If this if this year was two months longer, this might be number one. Mm. It's amazing. I really need to go back to it. I have to confess, I have not gone back to it since we reviewed it, and maybe I needed a lot more time with it than I had. I really, really respected the record, and I really respect JJ as an artist, but I probably need more time to digest it, and probably just wasn't in the space to do so then but certainly hearing you talk about it now is making me go really need to revisit that record straight away it's a very stephen hill mm. record dark nihilistic uh, yeah brooding <laughs> you know but it's but it's <clears throat> lovely as well mm. do you know what i mean it's it's also lovely mm. <laughs> awesome yeah. that was a very big surprise um but mm. uh, a welcome one i don't think my number two is going to be a massive surprise to be totally honest because I have been banging on about A.A. Williams um, pretty much since we, well, more or less since the beginning of this podcast, certainly when we um, discovered her very early on in the year last year and her brilliant EP, which was also my EP of the year last year. Um, But with Forever Blue, her debut album, and by proxy, my favourite debut album of the year, um... I think she delivered brilliantly. Alex is so self-assured in her songwriting. These songs unfold themselves at a glacial pace, as if we had all the time in the world. And many artists would be hesitant to linger for so long. But Alex is committed to letting this these mellifluous passages unfurl at a pace that suits them. It makes for some truly magical moments, such as the conclusion of debut single and the first song on the record. All I asked for was for it to end. The mood is so solemn, so gloomy, but we are focused on a position that sees beauty 
within this dark quagmire. Every note of this album feels not so much written, but delicately placed, as if on a house of cards, and to ensure that the whole song doesn't come crashing down. There are seismic emotional peaks that threaten to topple the structure, but instead deliver a flattening emotional gut punch of intense sonic beauty. And I'm so pleased that she's been embraced by the metal community as well as others further afield. The heaviness explored on Forever Blue will always be more exciting to me than that which is explored by more traditionally sonically heavy bands. But not only that, but just like Martin Gretsch from last week, you can put it in any magazine and it works. Q, Kerrang, Metal Hammer, Enemy, Mojo, I think even Terrorizer would have jumped on this, potentially. Mm. Whilst the Sonics couldn't be described as heavy per se, there's plenty of weight to Forever Blue. Um, you've got these soaring strings, really mournful piano, the, the forlorn lyrical content. Um on some of these songs is just absolutely beautiful i mean when she sings i am fine on the last song you know full well that she is not (laughs) you know um and it brings a really stirring evocative lilt to the music which is so elegant on this album it's just so so elegant and i think metalheads understand that better than most just because just because a musician's art is miserable, it doesn't mean that you have to feel miserable as a result. And so as a result, I think Forever Blue might be the saddest and most uplifting album I've heard all year. And the dynamics really help with that as well. It's what gives the heavy moments room to breathe on this album and give it the weight that those heavy moments deserve something that a lot of metal bands could really learn from, you know, the dynamics on this record. Mm. Um, I've got nothing but good things to say about this album, considering how much I was looking forward to it. Mm. I'm really excited to hear that A. Hey Williams has delivered on the promise of what I thought she could do with that debut EP. Um, I'll be listening to this to the grave I think I absolutely adore it. You like it very, very much, don't you? But I do like it. Yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, it was another one of those things where uh, just the sheer weight of listening to different things meant that it didn't get into my list. But and I've and I to be and to be perfectly frank and to be perfectly honest with you, um, it hasn't. I've not gone back to it recently. Okay, Uh, it's been a little while since I've listened to it, but. I do remember when we reviewed it, how highly I thought of it. And in the sort of the intervening weeks listening to it again, I was like, yeah, this is, this is really fucking good. Uh, yeah, she's very good. Very, very good. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, obviously you clearly like mm. it a lot more than me, but I, I wouldn't want to say exactly what I think about it right now. Cause like I said, I haven't listened to it for a while, but it's not something which I've been like, wow, that's that reviewed and, that way in a drawer yeah, to yeah. never be listened to again um i'm sure at some point i will listen to it again because i you know i agree with everything you said like she's got a real she's got a real gift for bringing heft out of beauty mm-hmm. and that's rare as fuck and mm-hmm. i think it's if you can do that and do it well then you've got the hell of a lot of potential to 
I mean, Lord only knows where she could go next. I mean, I was going to say that EP with Mono mm. showcased that brilliantly. Like if she ever does go into, you look at what Emma Ruth Rundle did this year with Thou. Mm. And if she wants to start doing more of those things, I think that would be an amazing oh. thing to be able to do both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, 2020 has been a pretty unpredictable year. So listen, the most predictable thing that's happened this year is about to happen. <laughs> so instead of going, oh, how predictable, just enjoy the fact that something predictable has happened. Me and Renfrey have the same number one. Yeah. And I'm sure you've worked it out by now because it's the first podcast that we've done since March where we haven't mentioned them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there has been such uh, a there's been such a push and pull because we've like any time that this band has been mentioned i've been like oh don't don't make it obvious what's going to be our favorite record of the year but i think you all know it's blindingly fucking obvious isn't it yeah it's code orange it's underneath by code orange both of us have picked that as our favorite record of the year and if you've been listening to this podcast at all once or twice in the last nine months you'll probably know why and i guess going into it again when we did a whole podcast specifically just to review it which lasted like an hour and a half um maybe we don't need to do that again but i do think it's worth trying to squeeze out the last few little bits of reasons why this is the best album of the year I put this next to Clipping, and I think I said this when we reviewed Clipping, and I've just said Clipping up there for the best band in the world. Code Orange for me would be the band that I look at and go, for what I like in music, what I want from music, they give me they give me that thing. This has actually been a really good year for metal. Mm, you wouldn't know it from you wouldn't know it from looking at our list, but in fact, actually last year uh i don't think anything in my top five no that's not too swans swans was the only thing in my top five that would have got into metal hammer i think you could have gone up to like the top seven hmm. and there was nothing that would have been in my hammer list my one two for riot act is my one two for metal hammer jgl and uh code yes. orange are my top two and then you've got deftones and yours loathe palm reader um Greg, yep. Napalm, Death. Yeah, there's a Oms for me as well. You know, there's there's a fair bit of good stuff that's come up from metal this year. And I, th I think I actually, think in my top twenty there are ten records that are also in my hammer list, which I think is the same mm. as last year as well. But yeah, yeah. So you know, um, <clears throat> wow, that's pretty pretty amazing. I, I think mm. there's probably more um, this year from metal hammer than there, there would have been there's certainly it it's what i'm trying to get at is it certainly feels like heavy music has had a much better year this year definitely than it had in 2019 where there was nothing kind of i don't think it was anything kind of broadly approaching traditional sounding metal in my list last year at all mm. hardly anything anyway um Whereas this year there's a, there's a fair bit and there's stuff underneath it all that, pardon the pun, like Trivium, you know, like Leached. We haven't even mentioned that Leached album <clears throat> that came out at the start of the year, which is really good. You know, there's been 
a fair few. I think I mentioned uh, Anel Nathrak mm. last week. Mm. You know, Mr. Bungle. I thought the Mr. Bungle comeback album was really good. It's been plenty of stuff, which has been fucking ace. Yeah. Real good. Yeah. And heavy music feels a bit more exciting this year than it did last year. Yeah. And maybe we don't always sound like we feel like that. That, you know, that might come across and it certainly has come across to some people this year that we maybe don't quite feel that way about metal. But if that is coming across, I think it's because Code Orange, at a time when metal had just started to kind of catch up and and, and refine its form this year, Code Orange have gone and moved the fucking goalposts for everyone mm-hmm. again. Again. And they've they've moved them really fucking far away as well. Really far away. And I, you know, and I want to, I don't want to repeat myself over and over again. But like I say, they do the thing that I want heavy music to do. This has got hooks in it. These songs are catchy. You can be the fucking heaviest band in the world. You can be the most true sounding thrash metal, pure metal maniacs, riffs all over the place. If you're not catchy, if you don't have songs, if you don't write actual songs, then, pff, yeah, you know, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck? Sepultura, Sepultura wrote songs. Mm. Machine Head wrote songs. Mm. Pantera wrote songs. The reason why no one looks at Heaven Shall Burn in the same way as people used to look at Sepultura is because they can't write fucking songs. <laughs> code orange can and not only can code orange do that they can do it whilst simultaneously creating these incredible soundscapes of white noise and electronic parts and hip-hop beats and avant-garde odd shit that you just you just have never heard in metal for fucking god knows how long if at all right Mm. don't talk to me about any other metal band they do that and they do that well they're really heavy yeah aranzi pazuzu are really heavy they ain't getting nominated for a grammy though yeah trivium do write big choruses they don't scare the shit out of me like anal nathrak do though Mm. Mm. code orange do both of those things they are the only band in the world that does both of those things right now. Mm. Henceforth, ergo, they win. They're the best. I think the end. I think one of the most exciting things to me with music, full stop, is getting uh, an album, a song, an album in particular, that I press play on it and I am so perplexed at what I'm hearing that I can barely even compute it. I just can't take it in. That is a really special feeling, which unfortunately, as time goes on, it becomes far rarer um, as you grow older and you're exposed to more music because, you know, you're aware of more things. And there are other albums on this list that have given me that feeling. There's even some albums that aren't on this list that have given me that feeling. But no other album this year has made me feel that for pretty much its entire running length. Uh, I think it probably took me 
half a dozen listens before I could actually even process what I was hearing when I listened to this record first, uh, let alone get into the nitty gritty of dissecting individual songs. Um, as you have said in a more roundabout way, underneath is the standard now. In a world where most bands are still trying to catch up with forever, underneath is the standard. The ambition of this band is just unparalleled. And I think it's easy to mock ambition, but also very, very wrong because art becomes stale without ambition. Just what? Just look at what's happened to the metal world as a, as a whole because there's very little ambition in it. There aren't many bands who can provoke as strong a reaction when their name is uttered as Code Orange. I can't think of anyone, any bands who provoke as much hatred or simultaneously love as Code Orange at the same time. And to be honest, we need a lot more bands like that. Especially when so much heavy music these days just seems to be greeted with indifference, really. I mean... Are you ever going to hear opinions as opposing as those heard for this album from the new Hatebreed record or that Venom Prison record or Lamb of God or Silosis or the Black Dahlia murder, murder or Trivium, Trivium or Body Count or Five Finger Death Punch? You know, none of those bands are doing anything that's particularly exciting. They're just following formulas that have been... Put, and, you know, some of those bands are... are perfectly decent bands i really like that venom prison record but it's not doing anything particularly exciting because all of those bands are playing it safe and just to give some balance they have that same love hate dichotomy that bands like bring me the horizon do or king 810 neither bands that i particularly like but at least those bands are doing something to an to incite an opinion beyond beyond bored indifference. And I take that any day of the week over another formulaic, boring, heavy record. Code Orange split opinion like no other band. And that is something that seems sorely lacking in heavy music in 2020 in a genre and a style that just seems to be coasting, you know. Code Orange, uh, you, 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 I, you listen to this record, you have an opinion and it is a strong one. Whether it's liking it or loathing it, you will have an opinion on it. I remember the letters in Kerrang and Hammer back in the day. Fuck Corn, it's the worst shit I've ever heard. Fuck Marilyn yeah. Manson, it's terrible. Yep. Fuck Slipknot, they're blah, 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 this and they're, they're that and the other. And yeah, you're right. No one's, apart from Bring Me Their Eyes and have really, you know, people will see a picture of motionless in white and go oh look at them mm. but <laughs> but that but that's not that's not because of what they're doing musically it's to do with their no. image um i mean maybe baby metal um kind yeah. of incited that as well i don't think they do anymore though i think they have become part of the furniture now baby metal and bands of that help they're certainly more accepted mm. yeah mm. and I, I mean the whole there's you know there's there's a whole bunch of reasons why people might not like code orange you know i've seen I, they dress silly oh they're not as heavy as that oh they're too heavy for that oh it's just 90s this which i think i mean that's my least favorite one they're just a bit like then oh it just sounds like something <laughs> just sounds like marilyn manson it's like fucking hell or spine you've shank never, <laughs> you've never yeah 
It's like a man who's never heard any experimental hip hop yeah. or any avant garde <laughs> yeah, yeah. electronic music speaks. Um, they got more in common with all Tekra than they have with fucking Spine Shank. They do. Yep. And, you know, and they're very, very cocksure and they're very aggressive. We're going to play a clip from Jamie in a minute mm. and he'll tell you that, <laughs> that he deserves it. And <laughs> he's right. He does. And he does. But, you know, and, and people don't like the fact that, you know, that they're, they're like, yeah, we're the best band. We want to be the best band. And yeah. Fucking, I don't know when ambition and belief in yourself became a, a bad thing. I think it's a, I'm not sure if it's like this in America, but it's certainly in Britain with people like, to, you have to be humble. Everyone wants you to be humble and blah, 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 blah. Code Orange are brilliant. I mean, this is a thing they kind of metal for me when I was a kid was great defiance music. Yeah. It was escapism. And you're right. I don't often feel like that when I listen to newer bands now. I don't get that feeling. Code Orange have tapped into that 90s Roadrunner Records thing. And not just by the sound. I know I've just gone mug someone off because they said that they sound like, and then you know they sound like a roadrunner band from the 90s and i'm going oh they've tapped into that but what i mean is the feel of 1991 to 1996 roadrunner records where it just felt dank and horrible you know typo negative a weird as fuck they didn't give a shit what anyone thought about it. and i and i you know and, and i saw that and i was like at first i didn't know what to make of it all yeah. i was like this yeah. is bizarre stupid Rub, like look at them why are they dressing like that so many fact, of, you... so many of my favorite bands when i first encountered them i've either encountered them and been uh, holistically hated them or just been confused you know system of a down system of a down dillinger escape plan <laughs> you know, yeah like yeah and and i and you know i i love code orange for making me feel as excited about heavy music as i felt when i first got into heavy music exactly and there's not really been many bands in the last 10 years there have been bands that i've loved and there have been bands that i felt really really passionately like these are this band are fucking great but nobody's really you know when you the difference between me talking about pantera and type of negative and sepultura and the difference of me talking about i don't know um while she sleeps or cancer bats mm. is very different oh yeah but the way i talk about code orange and the way i talk about sepultura they're basically the same and yeah they're great I anyway i think people kind of um whenever i hear people trying to take code orange down or anything like that i just hear and see the dumbest reasons for doing so um you know people will say stuff like oh they're just that band who use glitches as a kind of gimmick and all this sort of thing and really that's massively missing the point of what makes code orange on these past two records so brilliant in reality it's the fluidity of these songs that's so impressive anything can come in at any moment to knock the song off its trajectory and make it go in a completely different direction or a different time signature or a melodic hook that suddenly springs up out of nowhere. And that feels as exciting to me on my 50th listen as it did on my fifth. 
And I mean, for me, really underneath is number one, because in a year when we've been stuck indoors and not been able to go out and socialize or go to shows or anything like that, in a year that's been a bit of a damp squib to say the absolute least for lots of people, and it's been actually quite traumatizing and horrible for many others. No other record has made me feel more alive when it's on. No other record mm. has managed to kind of recreate that feeling I get being a kind of dribbling, gibbering wreck by the end of it, as I would from going to see live music. But I put this record on and I can feel like a um, natural instinct, instinct just adrenaline to start to course through my veins i'm like holy fuck am i al i'm alive i'm fucking mm. alive and the synapses in my brain just being triggered and going off in response to the wealth of ideas that are being thrown at me it's been a really weird year but underneath has provided a strange kind of stockholm syndrome-esque pull on me and will remain the, the soundtrack every single time i listen to it it just fills me with joy and fills me with that feeling that I get that made me passionate about music in the first place. Mm, I agree. And if you want to say, oh, you know, it's not brave or it's not creative, go and get the vinyl. When you listen to The Easy Way and Side One stops halfway through The Easy Way. Sorry if that's a spoiler if you don't have it on vinyl but it actually cuts out halfway th and it, it doesn't just cut out. It does it brilliantly where you go, Oh my God. Like when I heard that, I was like, how many fucking bands have got the balls to do that? Yeah. To, to flip the vinyl halfway through a song. Hmm. And you might go, well, that sounds like a stupid idea. No, no, it, it, it it's so ballsy hmm. that it just made me go like fucking fair play. Hmm. And it actually really works because when it comes back in, it hits you so hard hmm. it's great we should probably add um, as well that when we reviewed um i mean we didn't even realize it at the time but when we reviewed this record the stream that we had was not the finished product i remember getting the record later on and hearing more electronic bits and beefier bits in it and when i bought the record listening to it it was like listening to a whole new record you know i was like yeah. fuck me this is even better than the record that i reviewed and basically you know, gave, I think we probably gave it away in that review. This is the best album of the year, you know. Yeah. Um, and the finished product was even better than that. And that's ballsy as fuck, you know. Yeah. Oh, this 90% finished one can go out to the press, you know, and we'll, we'll actually just keep tinkering away at it. And I think that level of detail and, and just what Code Orange have done. All bands have been delivered a really shitty hand this year. And look at what Code Orange have done compared to other bands have gone, okay, we're going to make something great out of this. It's not what we expected or what we wanted or, frankly, what we deserve, but we're going to do something special. And those three live stream shows in a year where, you know, it didn't take long for people to get fucking bored out of our minds about live stream shows, they've gone and pushed the boundaries and done something exciting and different with it. And it's that level of creativity like you can mock it all you want but uh, that is far more exciting to me than pff, fucking primitive man you know, mm. <laughs> you know I, mean? I tell you guys if you look i'm telling you right 
you listening, there are Code Orange songs that you will never hear. There are, or, or there are remixes of songs that Code Orange have done that you will never, ever, ever hear that are far better than the biggest, most established metal bands have been putting out recently. And you won't, and um, trust me, you will never hear that. Um, I don't know if we have to cut that out. Probably, I don't know. He'll be right with that. I don't think you. I don't think you've said anything that that truly fucks no. us. Anyway. But uh, yeah, um, I mean, that is yeah, that trust is me. a horrible tease. <laughs> but I, 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 it's a fact. I mean, I'm sorry to you know. Anyway, uh, I suppose I got a present from Jamie, and he's a lovely man. And let's hear what he had to say because I spoke to him, and um, I knew he was going to be number one. You knew he was going to yeah. be number one, so I just thought I'd throw it over to him uh, a little while back and say congratulations, Jamie. Your album of the year. And this is what he had to say. Jamie Morgan, Code Orange is underneath, is officially the Riot Act from both of us. The Riot Act album of 2020. Um, Thanks for making a great record. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for supporting it since the, since day one. And it's been a, a rough year to try to get, you know, get your voice heard in this shit. But you've been supporting us. You guys have been supporting us. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. No worries, mate. Um, it's very much deserved. And um, I guess I'm going to ask you the, the burning question, which I think I asked you back when Forever came out. And I sort of didn't believe you when you told me that Underneath was better. Are we going to get a better one than this when we come around to 2022 or something? If we gotta, you know, if we <laughs> fucking gotta. I mean, I was, man, I'm so, more than any other record we've ever done. And like you said, when I, we were talking about Forever, we were already talking about the next one, right? I love this record, man. I really believe in this record. I absolutely believe and fuck everyone that it is the best record of the year for sure in metal and rock and all that shit and period. So I love this record. Every millisecond of this record, there's so much attention to detail and I hope everyone has been able to listen to it. That likes it has been able to uh, dissect it and listen to it over and over. Cause that's what it was made for, man. It's, it was made to be entertaining and exciting and fun, but it was also made to be rewarding. And the more you go, you'll find all the connecting threads and you'll find the, uh, all the things we've built in there from from the ground up to make it more than just, you know, more than just a, a, a passerby listen, something like a movie or a great book or something you want to go back to and re-explore. The way I love going back to some of my favorite records, you know. So can we make a better one? Yeah, I definitely think so. I do believe, though, and I will say this on record, I do think that in this version of what we're doing, that this is – this is this is where this in some ways is the climax of one uh of of a of a ver of, of the version of what we're doing. What that means going forward, I don't know. It just depends. There's many ideas. We have we have many songs already, many concepts, not finished songs at all, but but this is a very complete vision of where we wanted this whole thing to go. So it's there. I think there's so many more people that still need to hear it. In a normal year, you maybe would judge a year's gone by and say, okay, you know, people have heard it, whatever. There's so many people that need to hear this record. There's so many more people that are going to love this record that need to hear it. And that won't like it, but more people need to hear this shit. And I know you agree. I think they will. Time's going to do that. Uh, things loosening up is going to do that. Us keeping pushing forward and finding new ways to get through is going to do that. But uh, I believe in this record with every 
every ounce of my soul and so do all of us but yeah we can fucking we can we can we can always beat it but this one is this one's special so hopefully people uh, enjoy it well we very much enjoyed it mate congratulations from us and that's not the biggest accolade in the world but um it is hey it's something you fucking show you've showed not only loyalty but you've showed attention to detail when you talk about the record you're paying attention you're listening to it multiple times you're getting into some of the nitty-gritty of like the different elements you hear and different influences and so yeah whatever it's not the biggest platform we're not the biggest platform either we're not fucking metallica or whatever you know so we really appreciate that and I'll never forget that. So thank you very much. It's absolutely our pleasure, mate. Thank you. There you go. Nice guy. Top guy. One of my favorites. <laughs> so there you go. Code Orange. <laughs> That's pop from the League of Gentlemen. There you go. Underneath by Code Orange is our joint album of the year. Surprise, last year surprise. it was. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Far easier than last year where we were like, oh, what is it? And actually it was fairly easy last year, wasn't it? Because it was her name is Carla. Uh, it was her name is color for me clipping for you um yeah but we said as a podcast overall because her name is color oh, was right. so close to being my number one yes okay. it was so close to being my number one yep. that um you know uh, we whacked it in as the official mm. we don't have to do that this time nope no because we both picked the same one brilliant anyway thank you very much for listening we appreciate that it's been a bit of a long one but you know these end of year things tend to be fairly long they only happen they? once a year Yes. <laughs> Christmas comes but once a year <laughs> and this is your present. So enjoy that. You might actually have a Christmas present. Actually, do you know what? We've still got a couple still. of weeks. Yeah, of no, we've got a couple of weeks left before Christmas. So we'll be back next week before Christmas. To I don't know what we're doing. We'll do something. We will do something. We're talking to that man that I need to that I keep telling you to contact and you keep Oh yeah, Renfrey might Renfrey's got a big interview that he thinks he's booked in, so <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, all right good see you later guys we've had a lovely day doing this well done to code orange well done to everyone what a good year for music 2020 has been thanks very much for listening go over to signaturebrew.co.uk and use the code riot act in the checkout you'll get 20 percent off all of their lovely beers go over to patreon.com forward slash riot act and you will get one of our or all of our all of our exclusive content not one of them get the bloody lot <laughs> lucky you see you later